I'm going to record for some reason. Just to take up hard drive space, kids. Just to take up hard drive space. It's good times. Voice right. recorder. I'm glad that we went from like audacity to like we're just using the one that's built into Windows now because like fuck it, whatever. I'm not even totally confident what microphone it's recording from. I we haven't had to check yet, so like fingers crossed, you know, cross whatever you got to cross, boys. I don't. We're going in. (coughs) Oh man, stop smoking. yeah, that's going to be one of those ones, I think, this week. So welcome back, everybody, to Dance Robot Dance. It's episode 267. Uh, Tim's opening a package. Paul's in he a speeder. phone muted so that you can't hear him opening a package. Paul's looking ripped, so like we're we're doing here. Paul is here, first of all. It's a Marvel movie week, so Paul is back, obviously. Yeah, I couldn't not do the first like Marvel Kung Fu Wuja thing. Had to be here. This movie is like right up your thirst alley, too, so like... <laughs> Give it all. Yeah, right. Right. Absolutely. Let's go through the news first. We had uh, kind of a weirdly like slow week, I guess, with the Eastern Seaboard underwater. Not as much stuff was really like going on early. You know what I mean? Not as much big stuff as had been going on recently. Uh, A couple little things, though. First of all, did we all see Rick and Morty? We all see, first of all, Christopher Lloyd (laughs) taking on his canonical place as the proper Rick. Yeah, exactly. This is live action. Very Ouroboros-y, because Doc Brown is clearly the impetus for (laughs) for fucking Rick, and so, yeah, Yeah. just come full circle now. And then one of the Stranger Things boys, I guess, I I was like, I recognize that kid, but I don't know from where. (laughs) Uh, No, I don't think he's Stranger Things, he was in It. Oh, is that what it was? Oh, okay. was? one of the Stranger Thing boys. But at this point, all those kids are just—is he in Ghostbusters too now? So like, is he just, <laughs> it's like all in these movies? Yeah, these kids. Uh, J- Jaden Martell playing not as convincing as Christopher Lloyd's. Rick I mean, Morton. Christopher Lloyd like is the man. So yeah. there's that. I mean, he gave us the modern Klingon, you know. So <laughs> I mean, he also gave us Uncle Fester. Yeah, man, that's what I mean. Like he's. Oh man, he's Christopher Lloyd's so been so many good things. Yeah. Christopher wow. Lloyd fucking rules, dude. Fucking Taxi. Yep. Yeah. Oh, man, he was classic in Taxi. He's fucking hilarious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Either way, we need to sit here and talk about Christopher Lloyd for a little while because that's always <laughs> this fun. This is now a Christopher Lloyd podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no other fucking news this week. So. so there's not really much else to talk about. Yeah, we can talk. Well, let's move on. We'll go through like these these little bits of stories we got here. Uh, Dune premiere had its premiere this week in somewhere in Europe. And apparently Cans. like Cans. Was it Cans? Yeah. There it is. I read the Variety story, but it. It, it turned into a review, and I was like, I don't want any spoilers, so don't tell me what the movie's about. I don't care. Only spoilers about this fucking movie that's based on a six-year-old book. Yeah, which I had read at some point. And I did grab the audiobook this week, so I will probably try and get through that while I'm working on my next set of illustration projects, I guess. We'll see what happens. Uh, not Dune-based, just so we're all clear, because no, not yet. We'll see how that <laughs> movie turns out before we start doing posters for that. But Good, good call. It looks like it's good until it isn't i guess basically what the variety headline literally says so we'll see what happens but it got a standing ovation at cans like seven minutes apparently which is yeah that's that's fuck cans cans booed bjork for dancer in the dark fuck cans she won the palm dollar and they booed 20 something years old (laughs) i'm still mad about it At least 15 years ago. <laughs> yeah, that was like in the 90s, wasn't it? No, when did that movie come out? 2001? Uh, early 2000s, I think. Early 2000s. Yeah. yeah. That Either movie way. was brilliant. It was. Uh, it was pretty good, yeah. Disney has, I mean, just 
given themselves over to fan will at this point and is making the Rocketeer movie that everybody's been begging them for for <laughs> two decades or whatever. It's actually going to be, uh, this is actually an interesting story. So I'm going to go right to... It's D- David Oyelowo. Oh, yeah. Oh, so yeah. David Oyelowo uh, producing and circling the star uh, Ed Rycourt Penning uh, will be writing it. So that's cool. But yeah, it sounds like this is going to be like kind of they're kind of giving it over to uh, a bunch of black creators. And the uh, character it's going to focus on is a retired Tuskegee Airman, which is which, a pretty cool little uh, touch oh, yeah, that's to cool. it as well. Yeah. So I mean, like that, that sounds awesome to me. This is a movie that they I mean, I don't know why you wouldn't have made more Rocketeer movies back then. They didn't do well, did it? No, it's kind of a cult uh, thing. No, I think it. I think it did like decently well in the theaters. But yeah, I mean, it definitely has developed a massive cult following. Friend of the podcast, Stephen Grade is. Oh my god, very he's been losing his mind this. on Twitter for like yeah. the last week about it. Uh, to the point where I thought we'd already talked about this on the podcast when like you brought it up. So I'm like, did we talk about? It? I'm like, no, I just talked to Stephen about it on Twitter. Yeah, because he was losing his mind. I was like, oh, fair enough. I mean teach their own i guess i like the rocketeer i'm I'm excited to watch this so i think i've only watched it like once way back in the day and like i i like it fine it's just not one of those ones that has massive nostalgia for me so i don't go back to it on a regular basis i ended up going back to it because joe johnston he directed first avenger right like they use that as kind of the basis or like the tone that they wanted first avenger to hit and i went back when that came out first of all jennifer connelly you know just beautiful so that's (laughs) always there the last time I watched Rocketeer was when, do you remember when Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow came out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, yeah. I was just craving that kind of like 1930s retro futurism. That had Angelina Jolie at, with an eye patch in it. It did, yeah. yes. Yeah. I remember that movie was like one of those very early like CGI sets movies, was it not? Yeah, it, not it was. It was, it was a it, visually confusing movie, if I remember correctly. Like it was very yeah. like muddled because of that, but. But it was, Interesting concept. Like it was a yeah. fun, like yeah, retro throwback kind of thing. So yeah, I remember watching the Rocketeer after that because it was like I just started craving that kind of thing. Like and vibe, yeah, that vibe. And um, Mask of the Phantasm always gives me that vibe too. Like the, well, that, the of, all yeah. that the retro Batman futurism. animated was like yeah, very set in like thirties like Art Deco and retro futurism and stuff yeah. like that. So yeah, the old Batman animated series, especially the original run of it pre Superman, was very like engrossed in that 30s kind of like what mm-hmm. time period is it they have computers but they're green screen and they drive big studebaker looking bastards but they also have like batman's got a stealth jet and like what the fuck's going on here <laughs> this is uh, now a praising the animated series art direction podcast because we could do that all day <laughs> that's also something that we do almost every episode anyway so like that wouldn't be new news anyway so there's that but yeah yeah that that 30s vibe is always kind of cool like visually to go back yeah. to so and like, like i said they went back to it for captain america too right like they brought mm-hmm. in that vibe over for first avenger we didn't work perfectly in that movie moving along apparently i just like i'm only bringing this up because paul's on the podcast apparently they're doing a game of thrones con in las vegas which is an interesting time both in terms of like the fan base and just like covid for starting a fucking uh <laughs> con in las vegas right now but those spinoffs are still happening i guess yeah i know yep. so you know we've been reporting on them here and there but nothing like i mean they picked one right like one's going i think now oh yeah so. there's one film that's i think wrapped production the one oh, is that's it? uh yeah the the one that follows the tar- like ancient targaryens kind of thing that yeah. matt smith is my in. indifference is just like so <laughs> overwhelming for those things at this well, point well how could you care when you get 
a Wheel of Time trailer starring Rosamund Pike, and you're just like, I'm going to watch that instead. Because if I want, are, like, are you though? Because <laughs> I'm not watching that. Like, we, out there, that's a perfect segue to the fact that Tim, I was going to write. Tim wanted to talk about the, the Wheel of Time trailer, but my soul tried to escape from my body while I was watching it. I was so fucking bored. So I was just like, nah, you know what? You, Look, I'm like, watch that Lord of the Rings show because I'm, of Tim. I can only do one fantasy thing at a time. And I'm vaguely interested because like because it's so female centric. But like mm. my problem is, is that there's some people that I'm kind of like loosely acquainted with that are in like super into Wheel of Time. And they are people who I just can't fucking stand and who, whose taste I do not trust in any way shape or form and so like and no and and also like nobody's ever really been able to make a decent case to me for the existence of wheel of time and like how it's like why it's so fucking amazing and like especially enough that enough so to fucking read 15 goddamn books you're you're basically this is the same kind of argument i have about the harry potter stuff at this point (laughs) so i'm just like i don't care anymore christie's king killer chronicles oh that was the that was what i was thinking it was king killer chronicles (laughs) where i was like i have a book but i don't know it's in a pile somewhere (laughs) now like things are there let me just say that if rosamund pike is in it i'm at least gonna give it a chance because i adore her and i just look at the stills (laughs) <laughs> fair but like i i love watching her act like that movie yeah. that she was recently in when she was the super vindictive lesbian who was like oh i was gonna say wasn't she just in gone girl like wasn't that no that's somebody else that... no no that was her but uh um, yeah. she like gone girl was a while that was ago. a couple years ago yeah yeah no i can't remember what the name of the movie was I that's the last movie i remember seeing her in she's been in other stuff she was in the jack reacher movie too i think uh, or one of them and like i mean that was her terrible but I, mean, I cool. care a lot. Yeah, where she cons senior citizens into like getting their power of attorney, and she accidentally cons the mother of a Russian mob boss. And it's it sounds like the start of Better Call Saul, actually. Like, it, kind of. It, it, it's definitely that vibe. Absolutely. Oh, cool. We yeah, got to check it out because that sounds like something I'd be into. Yeah, it's a movie, and she plays a very, very, very evil lesbian, and it's great. It's so good. She's good at playing, like, she's been playing a villain since, like, I remember the first time I saw her was in a Bond movie playing, like, the bad girl in the Bond movie, right? Like, oh, she was yeah. in one of the Pierce Brosnan ones. I think the Madonna one, actually. So, like, the really bad one, if I'm not mistaken. Like, the last <laughs> one? I've, I've tuned that one out. I've yeah, pushed that, that one out of my brain. I haven't seen any of those Brosnan movies in a long time. But, yeah, that was the first time I remember seeing her. She's great, but it's just, like, this, I, oh, fantasy I, stuff. You know, yeah. you know me, fantasy, right? Like, I just kind of, like, well, I'm out. Uh, my vibe from the trailer was that it felt a little bit on the cheaper BBC fantasy end of things. Well, that's what I was like, it looks boring. Like it's just a lot of people talking in like very elegant outfits that they're all going to only wear that one outfit for the entire season because that's all they can fucking afford. And they're just going to talk. And they crammed all the effect shots into that trailer and they still only filled about the last like 30 seconds of the trailer. Not particularly inspiring. (laughs) It was like, yeah, it was like a minute and a half of like sort of somber talking and then a little bit of action. Yeah. And still I'm more interested in this than the spinoff of Game of Thrones. So, I mean, I, yeah, fair. I mean, I, I also give zero fucks about those also. So like, fair enough i mean these are i don't know if like, i'm sad about these movies being delayed but they are being delayed the paramount slate has been moved out again so it looks like top gun maverick and mission impossible 7 have been delayed further into 2022 uh, did they actually give dates dates i was like i read the article and then i completely spaced on it because i'm like Tom yeah. Cruise, whatever though so i'll see them when they hit whatever top gun, top gun maverick got moved back to 
from this November to May 27th. Yeah. Okay. There's 22, like six fucking months. Mission Impossible 7 is was supposed to be coming out May 12, that, May on that date, May 27th, oh, okay. and it there got pushed go. to September of next year. Oh, so they're doing the old Marvel shuffle where they're just like, everybody takes a step backwards into each other's slots kind of thing. Fair enough. And then Jackass Forever got pushed back like four months, which I'll, oh my I've, God. Watched all the, I've watched all those fucking Jackass What will the world do movie. without the new Jackass sequel? <laughs> like, just... We may as well just shut society down. The one where it's all like, over. Bam Marger is losing his fucking mind because like they wouldn't let him be in it if he was just going to be a fucking junkie the whole time. And apparently that was the decision he made. Yes. Uh, I don't know who any of these people are. I only watched the first Jackass movie and it made me cringe so hard. I watched. I, I got real I, into Jackass like an undergrad. I downloaded all those totally, like, kill yourself uh, videos and shit too. And yep. That uh, tracks with Tim pretty much. <laughs> you would get into something that ridiculous, absolutely. <laughs> so yeah, like, I don't care about any of those movies getting delayed. I'll watch Mission Impossible when it comes out. But man, I've been waiting. Feels like I've been waiting for that sequel for like three million years now. So, yeah. It's got Haley Atwell in it though. I love Haley Atwell. Yeah, enough to does. watch, I guess. So there's that. Some casting news for Guillermo del Toro's next project, which looks like a giant horror anthology. And I'm gonna like fucking read these credits because like, sweet Jesus, this some stats. <laughs> yeah, there's some fucking names in here, and so we're gonna go through like almost literally every episode. So like this, is, this is I think it's a Netflix thing, right? Is he is he doing? Yeah, Netflix just announced the yeah. cast and crew for a new show uh, called Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities, which is a title of a book that he released a couple years ago with one of his illustrator collaborators, I believe. It was like the art of all of his wackadoo horseshit or whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's also like gonna be co-show running this with james miles dale who was i believe the writer or director of shape of water he worked on yeah. shape of water i know that for sure i don't know what he did though but like each episode is a, it's an anthology series so each episode is a different set of people and creative team like behind the camera and in front of the camera but like the cast and fucking crew is bonkers so like the first episode se davis from the baba duke alongside andrew lincoln from the walking dead and hannah galway from sex life started an episode written and directed by jennifer kent who directed the baba duke Love that. From movie. an original story about Del Toro. Yeah, exactly. Right? The Bob Duke's fucking amazing. <laughs> Gay icon, the Bob Duke. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Academy Award winner F. Murray Abram. It says Mythic Quest, but for some reason they omitted his uh, credit in Star Trek Insurrection, which I think should be at the top of his <gasps> credit. <laughs> also for Babadeus, uh, where I think he won an Oscar. But, you know, Star Trek Insurrection is the important one we got to talk about. Definitely. So. 100%. Yeah, Glenn Turman from Fargo and The Wire. Luke Roberts from Black Sail starred in an episode written by David S. Goyer of Blade, Dark Knight, Man of Steel, every other superhero franchise pre-MCU, basically. <laughs> yeah. Based on a short story by Michael Shea and directed by David Pryor, who directed The Empty Man two years ago, I think. I can't remember anymore when that one came out. Uh, good movie, though. You should definitely check The Empty Man out. Um, Tim Blake Nelson, who was in Watchmen and The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. I don't know what that one is, but Watchmen is awesome. Pedia Carrillo, who was in Predator. Demetrius Gross uh, from Fear of the Walking Dead and was also in Lovecraft Country. And Sebastian Rocher from uh, Man in High Castle. Tim's one of Tim's shows. Yep. Starring an episode written by Regina Carrado, who wrote Deadwood and The Strain. If you've got Deadwood rating credits, that is a fucking show I'm going to watch. <laughs> and directed by Guillermo Navarro, who worked on Narcos, which is also a fucking dope show that everybody should watch. Hey, dope show. Hey, hey. Yeah. See what I did there? Uh, this one is based on an original story by Del Toro. The next one's nuts. Crispin fucking Glover. Uh, I'm like dying. Crispin Crispin Hellion Glover is yeah, his, is his actual is that his, name. Is that his yeah. current <laughs> nom de whatever? 
stage name or what have you from obviously from back to the future or willard did you ever see willard the rat movie where he's just obsessed with rats yeah i did yeah that was, was a weird one i screamed at the theater movie yeah yeah he will be along uh with ben barnes uh from shadow and bone and westworld starting an episode written by lee patterson uh who wrote the colony and directed by keith thomas who directed firestarter which is like going back some ways unless yeah. that's the tv show and it's based on a short story by hp lovecraft lots of lovecrafty stuff and i mean it's del toro which yeah. that's his shtick right. so yeah, this one's a little weird. Peter Weller of RoboCop fame stars an episode directed by uh, Panos Cosmatos and who's directing it. And then also co-wrote the script alongside his Mandy script co-writer. So the Nicolas Cage thing that came out not too long ago, like the I insane. That. I've, heard, I've heard it was amazing. Insane. I watched it after the Red Letter, the Red Letter guys reviewed it. And I mm-hmm. was like, this is, yeah, get high. Just <laughs> do yourself a favor. It's Nick Cage at like, peak nick cage you know i started I mean? watching that like, i'm a uh, sexy five, cat nick cage <laughs> i started watching that five nights of freddy at five nights <laughs> of freddy, thing? Like, knockoff thing yeah he did on netflix and i only got about halfway through it and it was mostly just because i was just like fucking exhausted i couldn't make it all the way through but it's then. a that was a schlocky horse piece of horse shit too yeah. but like he he just seems to be having fun at this point so like fucking mm. go with god you know what i mean but either way uh aaron stewart on who was the other co-writer of that movie he's going to be also writing on this peter weller episode of the show which fuck they write insane shit so we'll see what they make peter weller do three more miko watkins uh of black mirror wrote an episode based on a short story by hp lovecraft directed by Catherine hardwick who apparently directed twilight, twilight. which yeah. is interesting no cast on this one David Hewlett, uh, who was in Sea in the Shape of Water, stars in an episode written and directed by Vincent Natali, who actually he directed Splice, which was something. I don't know. Do you guys see? Yeah. yeah. And Hannibal, right? He did. Yeah, uh, I think so. Yeah, in the tall, and he did in the Tall Grass as well. So there you go. Based on a short story by Henry Cutner, and then the last one that's on this list is uh, Haley Z. Boston, brand new cherry flavor. Wrote an episode that'll be directed. The, sorry, the type has by directed by directed twice in the in the top. <laughs> yeah, that'll be by directed <laughs> directed by Anna Lily Ar- Amirpour, who directed A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night and The Bad Batch, with more casting to be confirmed. But just like it's based on, a, and this is based on a comic short story by uh, Emily Carroll, who's been working for Image, I think, lately. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's a crazy stuff. fucking lineup for that but show. It's, it's filming in Toronto right now. Actually. And it's, yeah, I was just gonna say, and it's also filming in Toronto, which I remember there was an open call for like spooky concept artists going out at mm. some point that I applied for, and a couple of my friends disappeared off the map that I know do that kind of stuff, and I'm like, they must be working for fucking Dilthor <laughs> now. I have to message them and find out. Either way, this sounds fucking dope. This is like the best news I've heard all week. That's why I was like, we'll yeah, take five be, minutes. Yeah, that'll be fun for it. like. Hopefully, like next Halloween season, this will uh, come out and be a good lead into Halloween next yeah. year. It's rare that I'm like excited for horror stuff, but like next Halloween is going to have this and that Uzumaki anime coming out. And I'm like, oh, there's horror that I'm actually like psyched for. Isn't next Halloween when that new Exorcist reboot is supposed to be coming out? The the Bloomhouse one or whatever? Which oh, like I, I imagine so. I mean the Bloomhouse the production on those never like Bloomhouse productions never take long. very long. It's not you know, so I'd be surprised if it wasn't like a next next fall release. I mean that would be it'd be nice to get like especially if it's gonna be a Bloomhouse movie, like a good Bloomhouse movie. <laughs> That's the problem, right? Like you don't know which one you're getting when they yeah. kinda of sign up to do these. Sometimes they're amazing and sometimes it's like, well, they tried, I guess. So there's that. Either way, yeah, like this Del Toro thing looks awesome. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. Last thing I had on the list, Shang-Chi, 
we got some, there's box office that did $8.8 million last night. Tim and I contributed to that North American gross uh, as we were <laughs> at the movie theater to see it yesterday evening. looks like it's on track to do $60 million over the weekend, which... And we should say that that was like the Thursday night, like very yeah. first night. Yeah, yeah this is the Thursday even... night. So we're not even getting into the Friday yet. So like, it sounds like it's they're, they're, they're tracking it for $60 million. We'll see how it does. I know a lot of Marvel slate kind of hinges on how well this does at the box office right now in terms of like day and date releases on Disney Plus because now we're we got Black Widow day and date and this one's 45 day delay I believe like we got to wait a month and a half before it comes out on Disney unless it leaks somewhere else which is probably going to happen and then they'll just fucking throw it on there because that's what they do Mm -hmm. but yeah it sounds like the movie's doing well and we'll we will be talking about it in depth more like all the other stuff that has to do with this movie is the meat of the episode obviously because you can see the title of the fucking podcast you're listening to I hope <laughs> anyway in theory in theory uh so let's move on to geek of the week geek of the week geek of the week so this is the segment where we tell each other the nerdiest thing we did this week so uh guns why don't you uh tell us a story <laughs> well i don't know i going to see shang chi by myself in a movie theater was pretty cool i mean like Ji-hoon has officially run out of patience for the Marvel movies. He just does not care anymore. And that's he's just over really it. 24 movies in and he was just like, yeah, yeah. that's enough. He, I, like, I think he, he, wa- he watched a few of them with me because I was excited for them. And yeah, yeah. then, and so, but he opted out of Black Widow, which I watched like by myself at like 6 a.m. before work or whatever. And then, where was that? During my summer break, I can't remember. Anyway, time has no meaning. Uh, but I mean, it hasn't Sh- had any meaning for like two years. So yeah, <laughs> Shang Chi was like, he he was just like nah. So I went to my favorite chicken burger restaurant and then sat and watched Shang Chi on the big screen by myself. And haven't done that in a long time. So I guess that's kind of my geek of the week. Otherwise, it's just Final Fantasy fourteen again. Attaboy. I, I figured Final Fantasy or Pokemon would come up sooner rather than later. So Hey, I started leveling up Monk because I needed something, a, a break from White us. Mage. Yeah, yeah you were so. talking. Oh, I don't know if you, you and I were talking about that, but either way, yeah. I think it was on the podcast, though. All right. Yeah. Cool. No, I mean, I haven't been like, yeah, like we were in Milton. We never even got to go see a movie together while you were here. Yeah. And I had that theater that I loved right up the street that I went to by myself. All the time, yeah. It's been just going back to the theater has been nice. So Tim and I have gone twice now. We saw Suicide Squad and we've saw Shang Chi last night. So nice. So I'll have to eventually venture out and see something down here on my own. I want to see Candyman, so I might like head out this weekend and like taking a matinee or something like that on my own just to do something. But Tim, let's. uh, What's your geek of the week aside from spending the evening with me? (laughs) Glorious, glorious time. Yes, we always have lots of geeky conversation. Uh, My geek of the week this week was I watched through the first season of American Horror Stories, which is from the creators of American Horror Story. But it's it's a bunch. They did seven episodes, and they're like a bunch of one or two episode standalone stories rather than a full season that follows the same characters the whole way. So there were a couple of duds, but there were also some really great, satisfying stories within there. Like there was one that was this influencer house just full of fucking total douche bros that, oh, what's his name? The dude from Machete. Oh, why am I drawing a Like Machete? So like, yeah. you're saying the dude from Machete, but like you're talking about like, the Machete. Dude. Okay, Machete. That's um, David Trejo. Yeah, Danny or, Trejo. Danny Trejo. Yeah. Sorry, Danny yeah, Trejo. Danny Trejo. I got the uh, last name right. It's close enough. Yeah, Danny Trejo as a in a Santa suit 
like fucking just massacres these assholes in a like influencer house. And that was real satisfying to watch. (laughs) So, but I, I just, I really like seeing people do like that short form horror because it's a nice kind of change of pace and just something, something different from like a feature length or what American horror story has been doing with like these season long arcs uh, of, you know, using that often do kind of tie into each other. So it's nice to see those people do, you know, similar themes, but not necessarily a long form arc. Cool. Yeah. Long form horror requires a level of talent that a lot of horror filmmakers do not have. So I just, I find. Like doing a whole season is difficult. Like it's, and keeping that kind of tension alive week to week is also uh, difficult. And like, which... and they, they've, they've succeeded and failed at it. But... Oh yeah. It's, and that's what I mean. That shows so uneven to me. So it's kind of, it's one of those yeah. like hit or miss ones for me. So those are early seasons that I watched. I was like, this was really good. And then like the next season, I was like, I hate every fucking episode of this. And well, so when there's so. three different, the season starts off with a two-parter that focuses on the murder house from season one. And then it also finishes off with a story that heavily features the murder house as well. But it's still like different characters within there. Although they do bring back some of those old like murder house characters and stuff as well. So uh, if you like that murder house season, there's more of that in this uh there's three episodes, so almost half the season that, that uh, focuses around that. Nice. Cool. I, I have no idea if I would ever actually go back and watch any of that American Horror Story stuff. I know, like, I left there are it seasons that I'd go back and watch again. What I like about it is like I can go back and rewatch that without having to be like, oh, I have to rewatch every season. Like, I will, I'll yeah, never watch, was it Election or Cult or whatever? Cult, yeah. Cult, I yeah. will never watch Cult again because that was just fucking dreadful but like i'll go back and watch like murder house or asylum or coven again well coven for me coven was weird coven was the one that kind of lost me real fast so coven is a a gay meme like the balenciaga oh god okay yeah yeah. the whole the whole season because it features all women and like women who have been like camp gay icons for a really long time (laughs) yeah i remember everybody being like why didn't they just get julie newmar and complete the fucking set i remember like commentary about that (laughs) like when that season came out i mean and she's the best so like why wouldn't you but either way <laughs> right well they had this season of rupaul's drag race all-stars had an american horror story coven oh, nice. parody on it <laughs> and, like an acting challenge kind an of acting challenge oh god those was, are those are, you're the, one, the, the, the one season we did watch the fucking acting challenge was so painful oh it was so oh, cringy yeah man brutal there, uh, that, and that was that is known as one of the best ones ever so that oh, just wow. goes to show what the quality best as in worst or like best as oh. in like genuinely as in genuinely like funny and makes people laugh whereas in the following oh. season on season seven had shakespeare which is known as one of the oh, worst god. and <laughs> it just yeah. sounds bad from the name like yeah yeah like, just don't just do not yeah. yeah man okay it was american horror story coven girl i believe was the name of the yeah it was the name of the the parody okay just... well i mean that's not that's just that's a lot you're either way you're welcome talking about i know absolutely we got to talk about rupaul first right so absolutely yeah bingo card yeah basically Either way, so for me, I got finished Metro Exodus this week. I'm putting my, I'm basically just like go piling through my Steam library right now and like buying the games on sale, like a bad little Steam library punk. Like I had, you know, you know, when they go on stuff goes on sale on Steam, you just add it to your library. Yeah. You're, yeah. you're, you're yeah. a monster. But I, I picked up this game called Ghost Runner this week. I don't know if either of you guys have seen it. Do you remember Mirror's Edge, Paul? 
Yeah, I love Mirror's Edge. It's basically a first-person platformer like Mirror's Edge, but it's like you're a ninja assassin. So it's like all about keeping your speed up and killing at the same time. It is a fucking ton of fun. I've only played it for a couple hours, but I'm going to go back to it this weekend. Because uh, it was like it's like fifteen bucks on Steam right now, and also full features like a full array of like RTX functionality, so it's pushing the ray tracing on my thirty ninety quite hard. I actually dropped frames on that fucking tank, Jesus. so I was like, it's pushing the fucking thing hard. I had like ultra settings, like to the moon kind yeah, of thing. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I uh, know it was a lot of fun. I was doing between that and uh, Quake RTX is out, and like I grabbed it on Steam finally. And like, have you ever played? You guys have played Quake, obviously, back in yeah. the day. But like playing with ray tracing, it makes it look weirdly real. And that game's art style is so messed up. But like the lighting is just, you got to go look at screens or like watch video of them playing it in RTX or come by the place and like watch fucking it on my panels or whatever. Yeah, I'll it's, be right over, Mark. Yeah, exactly, right? Come visit. <laughs> I'm, you know not, I mean? I'm on my way. <laughs> 26 hours, right? I'll be at the airport. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, like, so it's just been a lot of fun, like, you know, going back to some of these games that were like pushing RTX and like looking at that again. Like I was fiddling. I'm like, I'm going to restart control. I can feel it. It's coming. So once well, now that I'm done Metro Exodus and once I get Ghost Runner, I'll probably switch back to control one more time. I've been yeah, playing a little Streets of Rage for playthrough, sixth playthrough, sixth or seventh now. Yeah, <laughs> I love the old. It's such a good game, man. Nobody, if nobody else is going to play it, I'm going to play it. <laughs> so there you go. They don't get any more money when you just play it over and over again. If I buy it on a different system, they do. That's true. Which you've done like <laughs> three times. In this uh, <laughs> a couple times, actually. Now, well, yeah, three times. I bought it for all three plat- like big platforms now. So, like twenty bucks each, basically. Like I never bought it for full price, which I kind of feel guilty about. But at the same time. I mean, collectively, like, now it, it's been full price. So, oh yeah, I've absolutely paid full price for it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, but like, that's not bad. When I bought four, co- like, three copies of the game and only paid one <laughs> for one copy of it, basically. Yeah, what are you gonna do? I like the game a lot. They should get the money for making a game that I like. So, mostly everything else, I basically just rent from the library. No steal. So whatever. <laughs> there is that. Or wait for Steam sales for when I can get shit for ten bucks. But there you go. Either way, it is time to finally get. You know, pull the band-aid off and let's let's dive into the meat of the episode. Meat of the episode Chinese dragon meat. I, was, I hope you were saying Chinese lion meat, because that was lions that too. fucking cool. Those were so cool. Yeah, so uh the twenty-fourth Marvel movie came out basically today, as we're recording this, really, but we've all seen it already because of advanced screenings and stuff like that. Uh, no wait, this is twenty-five, isn't it? Was the last was Black Widow was twenty-four. You're you're the one that's supposed yep. to keep me Sorry, track I'm of try- this Marvel. I'm the thing. You're right. Endgame was 23. Spider no, Black Spider Man was 23. 24 was Black Widow, and now this yeah. is 25. So yeah, 25th film in the Marvel Cinematic yeah. Universe, which is holy fucking shit, right? 25 <laughs> goddamn movies, like just yeah. and like what two of them that people like kind of shrug at for the most part. <laughs> They're pretty good overall. Yeah. Not too shabby. Not too shabby. But, uh, Shang-Chi and the Legends of the Ten Rings came out yesterday. So this is obviously another Marvel comic superhero based on the character of Shang-Chi. We'll talk about how different this character version of the character is versus the comic book because it's, he's way more Iron Fisted than he is the Shang-Chi that I was aware of in like, the Avengers comics that I've read over my life. But, you know, there you go. But this star is like it's an all-star cast of uh, Asian and Asian-American actors and all that kind of stuff. Actually, not even Asian Canadian, I should say, because one of them is a hometown boy. Simu yeah. Liu is a Toronto boy or a Mississauga boy, more accurately. Yep. 
So he's uh, he is the titular Shang Chi, and he is alongside Aquafina, which is a choice that they made. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also on the movie, Yang Zhang, Falo Chan, Florian Monto, <laughs> the, the the one Englishy name or like western name that's in this that florian montano is harder to pronounce than anybody else's name in the movie <laughs> benedict wong razor fist. yeah razor fist which i'm like are they just doing like that's taser face part two right like that's <laughs> yeah. a joke that's the same joke right cool it's the same joke. yeah benedict wong's in there michelle yo ben kingsley the great ben kingsley returns as trevor slattery <laughs> and tony lung who just fucking dominates this movie from beginning to end, be, be the best actor they've actually ever gotten in one of these fucking Marvel movies at this point. <laughs> He's quite good in this. I love when they get the villains right, and they did, that's what I'll say at the top level, they did this. So, at the top level, what did you guys think? And then I'm going to make one of you, I'm going to make you guys combine forces to <laughs> try and get through the plot of this, because there's a lot that happens in this movie. But first, let's, what do you guys think? top level analysis was that I think it's one of the better origin stories that I've seen from the MCU. Like it was kind of a breath of fresh air in a lot of ways. Yeah. Because I think it, of all the origin stories, it felt very self-assured and it didn't have any like extremely questionable moments, like the just a girl playing in the background when Captain Marvel was beating on Jude Law or whatever like that. Oh, the no doubt. Yeah. The needle drop and the... yeah, the needle drop in Captain Marvel. I don't think I ever had a moment where it's like, Oh, I don't, uh. it was mostly all good. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. So it was, it was a good, confident, fun film and the fight choreography was fucking cool so i was really that's like probably the like the, the my big high level takeaway too is like it's it's one of the better debut movies in the mcu like it's up there with like guardians of the galaxy and like you, you could even say iron man one even though that's like kind of sacrosanct at this point and i mean that movie's hollowed by the mcu kind of people but yeah but it feels like one of those top tier, like Ant-Man, you know what I mean? When you first go into Ant-Man, you're like, I don't really know what I was going to expect out of this, but you're just like, oh shit, this is a lot of fun at the end yeah. of the day. So like, yeah. I'm kind of on board. So that's where I was with that. Tim? Yeah, I liked it. It was fun. It was unique. It was well-produced and pretty well-written overall. Uh, it's probably like going to shake out as like a middle-of-the-pack MCU movie oh, yeah. for me. Uh, but I am definitely interested to see what they do with this character and how they sort of utilize him in the MCU from here on out, because he... It's it's a very different character than a lot of what we've seen so far, and so how they mesh it in will be interesting to see. In the main movies, yeah, he's, yeah. He's, there's a lot of like Iron Fist that came into this story that's not in the original story, which I find interesting. Like this, the secret, the secret village and stuff like that's not in the Shang Chi story originally because he was based off Marvel had the license to Fu Manchu. When we start talking about weird racist stereotypes in Marvel Jesus. comics or like old well, that kind of stuff, he was. So they had Fu Manchu licensed and they made Shang-Chi his son and they had the same kind of dynamic where he was like against whatever, but they, they don't have the license to Fu Manchu and nobody wants to use nobody Fu Manchu wants to see Fu anymore. Manchu, yeah. no and it's bad that. enough using Mandarin, but they completely redeemed the Mandarin for even the MCU take on it. Like in this movie <laughs> where he's like a super badass and like kind of like the comic version was like a vicious warlord and stuff like that, which is awesome so before we get into depth about like what we thought about the movie why don't the two you boys like walk me through the plot of this thing so so i guess i'll start we start in flashback if i'm not mistaken i should have written things down while i was in the theater 
<laughs> and we see uh, the backstory of is it Ju Wen Wu, who is yeah. our bearer of the Ten Rings and a vicious warlord who is taking out people in cities left and right and is, I guess, immortal. And so he continues to like I think the rings make him make the, him immortal, right? Like, yeah. yeah. As long as he's wearing the rings, he can't die. Or he doesn't age. There's so much theorizing to do about like where those rings originate or originate from because like we're, we're leading into Eternals, we're leading into Galactus. Like you don't know what where that tech comes from anymore. Yeah. Especially when you Carol going like they don't look like anything alien. So like that usually indicates like maybe we should get and like Strange doesn't know either, right? Like Wu's kind of like yeah. What? Yeah, Celest- so if, could be celestial. So if like it's Wu and Carol both have no fucking clue, then like Wong and Carol. Wong, sorry, Wong. <laughs> Wu's the yeah. Anyway, Wong. <laughs> yes, if Wong has no clue and Carol has no clue, then like where did this shit come from at that point, right? So yeah, yeah. So he uses the Ten Rings to stay alive and consolidate his power through throughout the world and starts the Ten Rings become a symbol for his organization of assassins and mercenaries. And eventually he decides that he wants even more power. So he discovers a legend about an ancient village. Kunlun. No, I mean Talo. Yeah, definitely. It's Kunlun. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But it's a little bit more pastoral fantasy than Kunlun's kind of like domed like hellscape stone and brick uh yeah city kind of thing so they it's the same general vibe you know what i mean like the, the fantasy hidden, hidden like mystical the hidden, city and, hidden mystical city that trains fantastic warriors or whatever right? yeah so. and he gets his ass thoroughly handed to him by uh lee played by fala chen in, in a very he, much like crouching tiger hidden dragon fucking scene yeah <laughs> an, an homage to had, like, I can't call it anything but an homage because it's just like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, One Hundred One. So. It's it's classic wuja, yeah, sea drama, like Chinese drama romance kind of stuff, and it's great. I, I oh, it's really good. It yeah, so good. I love that kind of stuff. Yeah, <laughs> so it's so dorky, but I really like it. And yeah, so she thoroughly kicks his ass, and he gets so hard. For her, yeah, massive, massive, <laughs> like, he, massive he, kung fu boner. Yeah, like, yeah, super, yeah. And she leaves him like thoroughly wet, and he can't, he can't handle it. So it's, uh, it's like the atypical Marvel slap slap kiss romance, just like yeah. in one scene. You know what I mean? So, yeah. and he doesn't land a goddamn blow because she's too good at it, basically. Yeah, so pretty there much, you go. she knocks him around like crazy, though. It's awesome. Yeah, and I guess he demonstrates a softer side to her and she falls in love with him and they get together and she is forced to leave Talo with him because they can't be together in the the village. So they go off and they have two children. And he gives up the rings. He stops using the rings for a while. That's true. Yeah, he stops using the rings and says that he chose to grow old with her um, and give up his immortality, which was... Oh, Tony Lung giving that line was like really good. Anyway. Yeah, an act, eh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so we get the birth of our titular hero, Shang-Chi, who we learn is currently Sean working as a valet parking attendant at a hotel 
or something. Hotel. Yeah, a hotel in San yeah. Francisco. He's yeah. He's a West Coast Avenger already, so there you yeah. go. <laughs> and he's parks cards with his friend Katie, played by Aquafina, and <sighs> they have a pretty yeah. She's I love Aquafina in the farewell so much, but this was. I was. I thought I would get way more tired of her than I ended up actually getting. Yeah. I think in this movie, you know what I mean, like they kind of they kind of flipped it a little bit on me, where I was like, oh, okay, I'm not like miserable about this. Is like I because at first I was like, oh, yeah. okay, but <laughs> yeah, it was it turned it. She was she was fine. Fine. Let's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get we'll get to she it. Was there? Yeah. yeah. But they are sitting on the bus together, and suddenly these mercenaries from the Ten Rings attack Sean for the pendant around his neck, which was a gift to him from his mother. And he reveals that he is a super fucking awesome martial arts guy, and Katie's like, what? And they reenact Speed, (laughs) and Aquafina gets to be Sandra Bullock for a little while, which... I was down for it. That was pretty fun. Yeah. yeah. Brakes go out on the bus. So she's having to like steer it through the streets of like the, the steep hill streets of San Francisco without. Which, did they not walked. just do that in Ant-Man and the Wasp? I feel like this is exactly the same car chase they just did in the last like San Francisco movie they did. But yeah. either way. But if you're going to be in San Francisco. He uses the truck and like uses it as like a cart or something like that. Right. Like he's kicking the truck. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's a car chase in that one too in the middle of San Francisco. <laughs> as, as someone who has been to San Francisco and has walked up those hills. Yeah. It's fucking that. That's what you go yeah. for. Is <laughs> Fair. Yeah. yeah. The, the calf workout. Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah. 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 And there were some good calves in this movie too. Sure. Why not? I mean, I mean. sure. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's good that they went to that level of detail to be like, oh, they live in San Francisco. Everyone must have good calves. Yeah. Do your calf <laughs> workouts before you come on set or you're being sent home for more calf workouts. Yeah. yeah calf we'll, raises for all. hounds will be up our, up our asses. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So we find out that, so Sean reveals his backstory to Katie and reveals that he has this little sister who also has a pendant given to her by their mother and they go to Macau because you have to have a this was giving me such strong Black Panther goes to Busan vibes yeah oh yeah for sure well I mean like even just like Madripoor you know what I mean like when they went to Madripoor in uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I was like wait they're doing this a lot why don't we just all go to Madripoor everybody should just show up in Madripoor together like hey what are y'all doing here together? What's going on? They got to get the tourist, the tourist bureau dollars from Macau because yeah, it's, I guess. it's the casino money. It's good casino yeah. money. It looked like a hell of a town, like just from the the shots that they showed in the movie. It, like it's it the like, only place in China I still would like to visit, but I'm not going to go visit China. Because, yeah, there's a problem with going to China. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of problems going to China. So his sister Xiaoling is. He's going to find her because he's worried that she's in big trouble. But she didn't need to worry about that because she's a fucking girl boss. Girl <laughs> boss is all over the place. And she runs her own fighting ring of international underground international acclaim on the dark web. And she includes um, Wong fighting the fucking abomination. Yeah, which which as a throwaway, which was super cool. I mean, there's a Black Widow in there, too. Like, there's somebody in one of the Black Widow office from the last movie in oh, one yeah. of those cages in there. Like, there's a couple, like, call-outs to other stuff. So, like, that's one of those, like, underground fight clubs with superheroes is one of those awesome, like, Marvel comic tropes that they go back to. I mean, man, they just did an X-Men. Remember, X-Men Apocalypse had the cage fights yep. between yep. the mutants, right? Yeah. Yep. 
I think we were introduced to Wolverine with him fighting in a cage, actually, Correct. in the first yeah. X-Men movie. So they love doing the superheroes, like, just facing off. Yes, I also remember Hugh Jackman shirtless in that. <laughs> and that was before he got super he ripped, does. too. He was just, yes, like, absolutely. mediocrely shredded. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he was such a dog in that one. Oh, yeah. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. What, a, what a little wimp. He wasn't cut like fucking granite until, uh, <laughs> yeah, until a couple movie. movies later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Shang-Chi realizes that it's his sister when she enters the ring to challenge him and he's reticent to fight her and she takes full advantage of that and knocks him his ass. Yeah. <laughs> Just kicks his ass. We realize that this is a trap and it was just kind of weird because like, did they follow him there or did they know where she was all along because they had the address on the postcard? They, I guess they wanted both Shang-Chi and Jialing together so that it was a little... They kidnapped them at the end, so it makes yeah. sense. So like, yeah, get them at the same spot, grab them both at the same time, I guess. And yeah, then, I guess that was... Uh, yeah. He's a mastermind, so obviously he's manipulating everything to go the way he wants to, right? He's yes. the Mandarin. Yeah. So we get to... Oh, yeah, and we get to see the Death Dealer, who is like a masked ninja assassin who works for... Oh, is that who that character is? Okay. Yeah. So anticlimactic. Like, I was expecting a Taskmaster-esque kind of reveal of that character to be like like Swordmaster or something like that, like some another kind of ancillary Agent of Atlas kind of character. Yeah. And no, no, no just no. nothing happens. Gets the soul eaten and dies. Gets the soul eaten and never gets the mask taken off. I was like, oh, yeah. that's anticlimactic. He kicked the shit out of everybody and then we don't even get to see his face. Yeah. All right, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, so they get whisked off to Wenwu's estate, compound. I guess, yeah. his compound uh, for the Ten Rings and reveals that the pendants are a magical guide to Talo and that scene was fucking dope as shit too yeah it looked awesome yeah because this is some real like woo iron fist kind of stuff where it's like we got to do the mystical thing and it could fall apart real fast here but like the effects and everything just holds together so nicely also I'll give a lot of credit to uh, Mr. Lung for doing most of the heavy lifting in these scenes because he's just he sells Sells every fucking minute he's on screen. Oh, God, so. he's worth every penny. I'm disappointed he's gone. I would have brought him back. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, more absolutely. of that. Yeah. more Less of everything else, more of that. Well, it, what we learned from the after the post credit scene, we might get some flashbacks with Tony Lung. Let's hope. Yeah. Let's hope. Hopefully. Anyway, so they discover that there's a map to Talo, and there's a passage that can only be opened and it happens to be three days from the time they uh, look at the map, which is very convenient. Yeah, always happens like that. <laughs> yeah. So Zha Ling and Katie and Sean, Shang-Chi, whatever we want to call them, get put into a cell. And who should they encounter but <laughs> Trevor? Ben Kingsley is back and I was like yes I didn't know I wanted that but I I wanted that (laughs) he was he like Tony Long owns this fucking movie but like Ben Kingsley comes in and just does everything he fucking can to steal it up from under him just saves the comedy in the last half of the movie oh my god he's so good He's yeah. just like, He's yes, so thank you. Take funny. that take that away from Aquafina and yeah. just let give me Trevor Slattery for the rest yeah. of the movie. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, that's very much where she becomes like, oh, I'm gonna become like his sidekicky kind of like Robin at that point, right? Like I'm gonna learn how to shoot arrows and stuff. And she has and, like yeah. three minutes of screen time the yeah, from, for the rest of the like, movie. Okay, absolutely. <laughs> she still gets the killing shot on the dragon though. She does. Yeah. So there's that. But yeah. 
So we discovered that Trevor's oh, cellmate. Yep. Is, yeah, I was gonna say yes. More, we gotta is, talk about more. Is a, a cute little faceless, hairy butt monster with wings named it's Morris. A Dune, apparently, yeah. yeah, who is a magical creature from Talo that only Trevor can understand because probably drugs. <laughs> it's definitely drugs if it involves Trevor Slattery. Even did you did, did you see the one shot? the Hail to the King one shot that came out on Disney Plus yeah like two days ago no not yet where he's in jail like they showed him in jail yeah. like and and then the, they show the ten rings abducting him like pretending yeah. to be doing a documentary on him but then like yeah. actually they're there yeah. to, to take him or to abduct him the return yeah. of Sam Rockwell also in that you gotta check yeah, it out man Justin Hammer uh, Justin Hammer yeah. in, a, in like sort of the end credits uh, scene in I have time. so much to catch really up on good. I haven't seen Rock, Rick and Morty I haven't caught up on What If I have oh, so much to oh, watch wow. What If's been pretty good Rick and Morty was excellent this year I had a good time with every episode of Rick and Morty this yeah. year we didn't review it but like it's not I, over yet is it it's, it's it's like, it feels break, like it, right? it's a mid-season break yeah I Gotta think because they got to eight and it was like wait is that it I didn't get an episode again so yeah. fair enough either way yeah so Morris and Trevor through Morris or Morris through Trevor reveals that there is another way into Talo, but it's a little bit more precarious. And so they escape in grand fashion. In the MCU PG version of the pussy wagon from Kill Bill. Yeah. Like Razor Fist oh, yeah. uh, Razor, BMW. Razor Fist, the Razor Fist fucking like SUV. Yeah. <laughs> and like there was so many so many other fucking like more awesome cars in there. Like, yeah, we'll take yeah. this shitty fucking like SUV. BMW SUV, yeah. yeah. I mean, to be fair, it probably had all-wheel drive, like which if you're driving car. through that forest, which is like, <laughs> you know, pretty aggressive, that forest. <laughs> so It was a little temperamental, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So the magical forest that actually we saw it earlier in the movie that when we barely survived yeah. is what they have to drive through and they have to stay in the pocket, stay in the pocket to survive getting through the forest. And they do. And they make it to Talo. And they realize that Wenwu, oh, we have to talk about why Wenwu wants to go there. Because he hears the voice of Lee, their mother, his wife, through a portal in Talo that is sealed by the scales of the dragon protector, the great protector, which yeah. I believe is Fin Fang Foom. But yes, uh, yes. There, there's a but picture very clearly... That early in the movie of like an illustration and i was like are we because it's fing fang foom like in the illustration and i was like wait are we fucking doing fing fang foom in this and movie we're fully doing fin- we did fin fang we foom. Are, like, everything well, except for the like, name like the design the design on that fucking dragon is amazing well i mean that was a more traditional like kind of chinese yeah. dragon thing than fing fang foom they they well, can still do the were- giant green and purple like green with purple underwear they they can do it paul <laughs> we can get to next wave you know what i mean like we can we're fucking get there. there we're so close we've got monica rambo we've got the mutants coming in i know soon. and like the 10 rings would be an excellent stand-in for hate <laughs> you know what i mean if yeah. they're gonna dig up Fing Fang Foom as like the because if they just do like the dig up Fing Fang Foom from a mountain side kind of like shtick with like Shang Chi and his little like posse of like pseudo Avengers yeah and it's like they're just doing next wave without doing next wave I'm gonna be upset <laughs> so yeah. either way uh, hey and uh, they can do Devil Dinosaur and then they can introduce oh, Moon God. Girl and we can have a Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur TV series anyway. I mean, they did a Modoc show, so like at this point, I think all fucking bets are off. You know what I mean? Like, regardless of the quality of it, like I'd already forgotten that existed. (laughs) Like, we're at the point now where like Devil Dinosaur is probably like the fucking like 
a, a point on the roadmap for the next Somewhere. 10 years. Yeah. When you're catching up on stuff, Paul, you can definitely skip MODOK. Oh, yeah. I, I, I listened to your review of that one, and it did not... Uh, I already have, like, a very low threshold for Robot Chicken. Like, the only yeah. thing I like from that show is Bitch Puddin', and that's it. Endless Bitch yeah. And so, Wenwu is going to go to Talo, but they get there first, and they meet Michelle Yeoh, who really should be in, in everything. everything. I just... Actually, she, she is, is in, she is in no. uh, That's one of those scenes where, like, as a Star Trek fan, I was like, oh, no, not Emperor Jojo, not <laughs> no. not now. No, don't do this to me now. No, but it's like Michelle Yeoh, like not Arch, doesn't give a shit about her job. Michelle Yeoh, it's no, like it's I'm Michelle an actual Yeoh. actress who does like fucking quality yeah, work all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, here to play, kind of Michelle Yeoh. She was here to fucking play also. So yeah, she was almost like she, the feeling of this role was almost reprising her Crouching Tiger role, like that warmth and like like motherliness I and sisterliness. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, that was why she was. I was excited when she got this role because I'm like, ah, oh, they're just bringing yeah. the Crouching Tiger people back. That's yeah. dope. She also has a little bit of like that uh, a proper version of the Ancient One kind of vibe going on, as opposed yeah. to like, well, why didn't they cast her as the Ancient One? Now? Fucking a right, you know what I mean? <laughs> why didn't I think of that? Yeah, see, somebody should have fucking <laughs> thought about that when they did that movie. I love Tilda Swinton, but like, hot damn, I was damn, just gonna right? say, I love me some Tilda, but like Michelle Yeoh as the Ancient One would have been so choice. If she had done that, we may not have had her as Emperor Giorgio, which would have been a benefit to everybody on the planet. Marvel, mm. help us out, guys. Go back well, in time and fix this. <laughs> you have the money to figure it out. Yeah, Marvel, go fix Star Trek. <laughs> Special edition. <laughs> we, we, you're our only hope. Yeah, Kevin Feige, I need you on another franchise, please, for the love of God. Love I just need God. your help for a year. Yeah. Get us anyway. on the right track. Anyway, yeah. so they have to prepare. The, and so we get training montages for all three of our heroes. Uh, come on. Trevor Slattery teaches the kids about how to play soccer and stuff. He helps. Okay, all four of our heroes. We get there you go. a montage because <laughs> there's got to be a montage. And yeah. so Shang-Chi learns the some of the secret arts of Talo that his mother used to defeat his father. As well as Aquafina learning how to shoot a bow and arrow in a kind of weird, but okay, we need to give her something to do kind of moment. And yep. Zha is just like, so. yeah. here's a weapon that you're familiar with, go kick some ass with it. And it was like, yes, she did. So Wen Wu comes in with his mercenaries, Razor Fist and the Death Dealer, and proceeds to curb stomp his way through the village and gets to the gate and releases a bunch of soul-sucking demons who start basically eating the souls of the people who are fighting in the village. And aren't armed with the dragon gift, like armor slash... Yeah, the scales of the 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 dragon of the Great Protector are what they can use to fight the demons and also give them kind of superpowers, like they enhance their strength and stuff. So they... When Wu basically is completely mad with grief and continues to release all these demons into the village and not given any fucks. And uh, well, the thing's still talking to him through the wall, right? Like with his wife, his wife's voice and he's already completely insane. So yeah, like, yeah, pussy drunk at this point, right? He's just like, yeah, need pussy. I mean, like, did you see her? I would fucking miss her too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. So eventually uh, he beats the shit out of his son 
and releases the big ass soul sucking demon, which I forget what they call Cthulhu it. Looking motherfucker. Yeah, it's the, like a the dancer. I almost said the dancer in the darkness, but that's not it. The dweller in darkness. <laughs> the dweller of darkness. Yeah. <laughs> the Bjork comes. <laughs> Go go look up the fucking Wikipedia article for Dweller in Darkness and look at the goddamn picture that they have. Looks fucking ridiculous. Is that because I thought uh, at first when they started talking about Dweller of Darkness, Paul, did you not get Shuma Garoth? I thought it was going to be Garoth, yeah. Yeah, and I think I said that in the theater. I was like, oh, are they doing Shuma Garoth and Fing Fang Foom in this movie? Like, what the fuck is happening? No, he he's a Doctor Strange. Yeah. So just another like generic, like dark entity for the Marvel universe kind of thing. It is. And like this this thing, like it's based on a design from the comics that's like the son of Marvel's Cthulhu character kind of thing, or like it's a spawn of Cthulhu thing. It's the the design's very much based on Red Dragon, though. Like if you look at the actual like monster design with the Red Dragon painting from Red like that movie also, but like there is a painting that is famous also. Yeah. But it has that kind of like eerie, very unearthly looking kind of like yeah there's something whatever. like it does, Ambul- the anatomy is off and it yeah. gives it that sense of uncanniness yeah like, like yeah. it's really creepy looking because it's not it's very much like an uh, a non-standard monster design which i thought was kind of cool like it had like kind of a weird alien vibe to it more so than the usual like it's got a scary head but it's still a very humanoid kind of shaped body it's it was really yeah. weird looking I just got like yeah. super Lovecraft vibes. Oh yeah, it's very like like Cthulhu-y kind of like yeah. Elder God kind of thing. But yeah. that's a vibe that like they should be leaning into in Marvel because that stuff is kind of underpinned in the Marvel universe too. Like they do have all those Elder God. Like Shuma Garoth is a character that will probably actually he was in What If? Like that was the thing that the big thing with the tentacles is Shuma Garoth. I think. Mm. Uh, yeah. I think he says Shuma Garoth in that episode. Actually, yeah. We'll do What If when it's done in when a couple weeks or whatever. Yeah. So. Shang-Chi proceeds to be able to take control of the Ten Rings by using some of his mother's martial arts abilities and then proceeds to kind of kick his father's ass. But then the Dweller in Darkness sucks out his souls and he takes control of the Ten Rings and there proceeds to be a giant fucking dragon fight, the Dweller in Darkness (laughs) versus the Great Protector, while uh, Shang-Chi, Xiaoling right on its back yeah it's really cool looking and i really enjoyed this very kind of like never-ending story meets (laughs) crouching tiger hidden dragon moment it's really cool it's falcor for christy yeah (laughs) those things had huge mouths she would not have gone through this movie i wonder what she's gonna do with this yeah (laughs) christy runs out in the third act just vomiting yeah yeah probably (laughs) yeah so it turns out that, you know, that we learned that the dragon scales are the only thing that can kill these soul-sucking demons. And so the Great Protector and the Dweller in Darkness face off, but require, first of all, Aquafina shooting an arrow at the thing's throat to stop, stop it, it from, from sucking the a, dragons. Yeah, it's in so a boss weird. fight ba- like moment, basically. It's like, you need to shoot the part of it that is glowing. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, that's, Very that's right out of a PS4 game, so sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> or, or a Zelda game, right? Like yeah. It's all oh, like yeah, yeah. the glowy part that you need to shoot with your bow and arrow or your yeah. boomerang. Yeah. I just had like, visions of God of War having to pitch the Leviathan axe at like a specific spot on a giant thing. I'm like, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. a God yeah. of War thing. Absolutely. Yeah. So. And then Shang-Chi uses the ten rings and as a the, fucking blender that was kind yeah, of horrifying what he did to basically it. Like, liquefies the insides of the dweller <laughs> in darkness with the ten rings like vitamix full on just yeah. like turns them into a smoothie 
like an apple core that goes like, yeah, through his guts, basically. Yeah, <laughs> and fully destroys him, and they all live happily ever after. Katie and Sean Shang Chi go back to their their friends to tell them <laughs> the story out. of their yeah. their victory and get taken by Wong into the future of the MCU. And basically, yeah, really. There's like, oh yeah, so this this movie's done. We're you're an Avenger now, so like we're just gotta move forward into Avengerland now. Welcome to the Avengers. Like, hey kid, here. Thanks for yeah. being an Avenger. Yeah, and for some reason Aquafina's along for the ride. I mean Hawkeye was there, so like she can shoot arrows too. Yeah. Oh, fair. Yeah. <laughs> like what else does he do? Good <laughs> really? enough. And uh that's basically Shang-Chi in a nutshell. Uh, oh, and Shang-Chi's sister t- um, takes over the Ten Rings because she's a girl boss, and she's gonna... Did you not get mad like Elektra taking over the hand vibes at that Very point? Very that. Yeah. that. There's so much of this story that I was just like, they're just arc-welding good parts of Daredevil and Iron Fist into Shang-Chi's story, and I'm like, what What are we gonna lose when we get Daredevil back? Are we gonna be able to do the hand again? Because... I mean, I guess you can always throw more ninjas in the MCU. Who cares, right? Yeah, always. because the Ten Rings can be the good-ish ninjas, the gray area ninjas, and then we sure. have the hand who are the bad ninjas. And then we have the good ninjas, which would be like Shang-Chi and Iron Fist. They're not really ninjas, but like, you know, Daredevil martial arts. And like Elektra, like on the good side when they're on the good side. Yeah. Sometimes it happens. Sometimes. I mean, Elektra is Daredevil right now. So, you know, you should be reading that arc, that book also. all of, Everybody, if you're listening to my voice, read Daredevil right now. Yeah. I had both the artist Marco Cicchetto and Chip Zdarsky click like on my Daredevil Electra drawing this week, and I oh, had a little happy moment. because A I little serotonin. In your yeah. Head. Chip Zdarsky's a Toronto boy. Like, he's from here. Like, he's a Canadian guy. Yeah. So I, did, I didn't know that till like, this week. I was like, that's fucking awesome. So not only is he writing the best fucking Daredevil I've read since Mark Wade, he is uh, local. Local. Yeah. Dope. Yeah. All right. So that was the plot of Shang-Chi. So, boys, what did you think? Do you want to start with what you liked or what you didn't like? You want to grape first? Or I want, want to start out by saying by recommending that all of our listeners, before they go see the movie, do go watch All Hail the Tit- the King, the the Netflix or the the Disney Plus short that's like yeah. thirteen minutes long or whatever that gives you you know sort of how Trevor Slattery got to where he was in the story because it's fucking hilarious and it's you know also kind of like fills in some blanks. It it, it it's I think it's it was a good decision for them to do it that way and address that you know, this is that character that you, you know, we, we acknowledge we have used the 10 rings before and yeah. the Mandarin, but we're, you know, acknowledging here that that was just some people that were fucking using that name and shit like that. So yeah. it's one of those things that like, you know, it's just for the continuity nerds like us that are like, wait a minute, like, how are they going back to the same well again when they've already done it? Yeah. Uh, so, but it was, it was really well done and a lot of fun. So definitely go and watch that. I even like Tony Long's like snarky like retelling of the Iron Man three story there at the dinner yeah. table because he's like yeah. they, they they named me after an orange yeah. fuck yeah. sakes you know what I mean like <laughs> named after a chicken dish like eat shit yeah. like yeah I'm a yeah. fucking like I'm a god on this planet like, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the right way to do that right like to retcon yeah. that sort of thing is to hang a lampshade on it and you know not just ignore it but like call it out and you know just just re, just reframe it in a way like this does and and that really and then to like masterfully have fucking Ben Kingsley show back up and just fucking decimate you know what i mean like yeah. he's yeah. just amazing in this like I, from that first scene i was in fucking hysterics watching it like we were laughing our asses off in the theater 
watch. I'm surprised they didn't promote All Hail the King more. Like it just kind of came out and like I, I'm sure that they had told like announced it that it was. Happening, I'd seen announcements it. Kind of came it. out of nowhere yeah. and like I just saw it on Disney Plus and was like, I totally forgot they were doing this, but I'll watch it. Oh, you saw it on Disney Plus, huh? Your country has Disney Plus. La di da, blah blah blah. Disney you have a Plus. VPN, don't you? I have. Disney Plus is coming out in November in Korea. Finally, there you go. So two I years be... later, <laughs> Ugh, two years already. Jesus, I think so. I mean, it's Korea... two seasons of The Mandalorian. Fuck, that's true. That's right. Yeah, I guess so. I I don't know if you noticed that on pirate websites, a lot of the the pirated movies that you download have Korean subtitles on them. Because, uh yeah, no, I know. Yeah, yeah, because the video on demand thing is such a huge thing in Korea. Because everyone has gigantic fucking Samsung TVs or whatever. So there's a lot of VOD contracts that needed to expire before Disney could launch here, oh, I guess. Fair enough. We had the same. We had similar problems like in Canada, too. Like when that kind of came up. So, Netflix like, yeah. and stuff. Yeah, and Crave. I mean, we still have like Crave and all that other horse shit that's kind of fucking up like HBO and Paramount coming up here. Because they've got weird deals with Bell and stuff. Oh, yeah. So. so whatever. That Paramount Plus is the home of Star Trek and RuPaul's Drag Race. I still can't get over it. So weird. <laughs> so weird. Anyway, I mean, it would make it easier for you and I to split a fucking subscription on it. The very uh, least, that's true. At least we yeah. will have that. So yeah, do you want to do good stuff or bad? Stuff let's first? let's talk about what we liked. I don't think there's like I don't have a ton to gripe about in this movie. I have little nitpicks here and there, but like let's yeah. talk about what we liked at first because like we talked about a lot of it during the movie. But like the cast is the, pretty uniformly cast, excellent uh, yeah. in here. So let me just say that I love Aquafina and. I loved her in The Farewell. I went to see that movie when I visited Australia. And I saw it with Jihoon when we were still baby gay couple. Figuring it out. Yeah, there you go. things out. <laughs> and I was like, I canceled my trip to Japan to visit him in Australia. And so I have like a lot of fondness for that role and that movie and Aquafina in general. But we've I've tried uh, watching other projects of hers and i don't find her quite as endearing when she's doing full comedy like nora from queens i think is a bad show and not even rich asians where she's straight up doing a fucking black scent the whole movie well yeah so aquafina is a i think is a lot better when she her comedy comes from a more natural place and not is not as sticky and slapsticky and i think that she gets there at some point in this movie where she's a little bit more endearing so i want to get out of the way and say that like yes aquafina is kind of irritating at the beginning but she is very much kind of our point of view character for a lot of things it's weird so. because like they kind of give you shang shang she is a point of view character too because he is pretty relatable until you start finding out the assassin stuff or i think he's yeah yeah so it, yeah they use i guess i don't like i don't have like a, a huge opinion on aquafina one way or the other like she's been like i've seen she was in a oceans eight i think and yeah. then i saw crazy rich asians and it was fine her role is i think that's the only thing she really i like knew her doing was like that shtick mm-hmm. so um, and then she was in the second Jumanji, like the second rock Jumanji movie, too. Oh. Uh, she had a little bit part in there. And apparently, she's so, going to be a scuttle in the Little Mermaid live action movie. Whenever oh, that yeah. happens. So good for her. Yeah. So while we're talking about Aquafina, do you guys have like act certain actors or celebrities that just fucking like grate on your nerves where like you just can't understand the appeal? Yes. Lots of them. 
Aquafina is 100% one of those for me. I just do not find her the least bit fucking funny or endearing at all. And yeah. I just can't really stand her. Mm. Uh, and and it, part of it definitely is linked to like her strong, heavily using a black scent in her like early roles and in her rap and stuff like that to sort of propel herself to stardom. And when she was called out on it, not really copping to it like giving like a really fucking half-hearted sort of apology or whatever, or, or owning up to it. And she didn't really ever do. And so that has, I've never really been able to get behind her in any way, shape or form since that. And so it just, it, and that really colored my view of her character in this movie. And I just was never really like, I could never vote for her on screen or like, you know, never get behind her on screen or anything. I was just like, just fucking mm-hmm. let it go. And that was why when they brought Trevor Slattery in, I was like, fucking great give this guy all the fucking comedy for the rest of the movie and just leave Aquafina in the background, which they mostly did. Yeah. Which they did. Yeah. So her being a kind of the weakest link in the movie, like was not that big of a deal because she, like her character was very decentralized by the end of it, because I think that they kind of, once she got into the village and we all got into the village, they were like, let's buy into this fantasy, like trust the audience to engage for the ride. Come along for the ride. And we did, I did for sure. And it was great. So like if she was the weakest link, then I'm going to say that they did a pretty fucking good job because like everyone else was pretty strong. I wish that they had given, I'm not going to do gripes. Simu Liu was really good. Yeah, we were just talking about that. Like the gripe that I would have about that is like he's not in the movie very much because they let the actors who are playing young him do most of the dramatic stuff in the past, mm-hmm. and that kind of leaves him to not ever have to deal with any of that stuff as an adult character until, kind of thing until the very until, end. Until the very end, right? So that's yeah. a little weird, but I thought he was good. He's very personable and stuff like that. I was like, yeah. I like watching him on screen and shit. He's funny, like. Yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing more of that kind of stuff. I think he is definitely overpowered in a lot of scenes, yeah. though, by like a lot stronger actors that he's surrounded. Like Tony Leung is just like, yeah, huge, and Michelle Yeoh obviously is the same kind of like caliber of just like, and probably intimidating. Right? And then Ben like, fucking yeah. Kingsley, right? Like <laughs> these are like these are <laughs> heavy this little fucking... dude from Mississauga trying to fucking stand up against. And he, like, he does an like, admirable was, job for a first time he was out. Good. I, yeah. yeah. So like, but like, yeah, he was really like having to fucking punch up against some real fucking heavy hitters in this movie who were all crushing it. So yeah, like, yeah. like I found I found Simi Liu like good, but not fantastic. Like his performance didn't blow me away or anything. Like for instance, like Chadwick Boseman did with Ch- T'Challa kind of thing. Like I fucking love that he knocked that fucking role out of the park. I'll, yeah. I'll be like, yeah. He was a good Shang-Chi. Like, I don't know the character very well. Uh, yeah. Well, that's the other thing is he's got a lot of, he's got a lot more room with me to kind of like, yeah, to, to develop the character himself. Cause like Shang-Chi is not a character that like doesn't really appear that much that, you know what I mean? He doesn't have his own books very regularly. Like he's been in Agents of Atlas and he's on the Avengers occasionally, but like mm, he's yeah. not around a lot that much. He always seems to be like the one who shows up to kind of like, him and Iron Fist have their friendly rivalry, but who's the better, you know, face kicker in the MCU, basically. Yeah. Like, that's kind of how I know him mostly from like, cause he was heroes for hire and stuff like that for a little while. And he's been on the Avengers yeah. on and off for the last like decade or so, especially the last five years as they've been planning this movie. Like he's been showing up a lot more in stuff. Like he was in Daredevil not too long ago and stuff. So, cause he's a ground level, like guy who shows up for that kind of stuff. So yeah, I like, but I thought he did well. It's just, yeah, he's surrounded by like just monster heavy hitters and that's problematic. 
we were talking about like the fight choreography um, or like yeah, yeah fucking, holy it. shit it was beautiful yeah the bus fight starts it off like that's a jackie chan like i was just, i honestly i was like where's jackie like just bring jackie to me because he must like that felt yeah. like all Jack. I felt yeah. so much like Jackie Chan stuff, and I was like, oh, "Rush boy. Hour or some shit." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, even yeah. the old Hong Kong stuff, like the more serious Hong Kong stuff yeah, he did yeah. before he came over here. Like it had that kind of grittiness to it, which I liked. Yeah, uh, that was one of the things I liked the most about this movie is that hark- the, the choreography harkens back to those old, like Chopsaki movies that you would watch at like late night on City TV or whatever. Yeah, up here. yeah but also had the refinement of yes a of the MCU. Film. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that's like what they needed to do to make this movie really shine is like, well, we know that like we have this history of martial arts movies, but like what's going to set Shang-Chi apart. Cause like the fight choreography and a lot of previous Marvel stuff has been really good. Like, uh, in the Winter Soldier and in Daredevil, Daredevil. The Cap and Daredevil stuff are usually the ones that I go to for fights. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And so, like, what was going to elevate Shang-Chi is, like, we need almost balletic and a- operatic levels of, like, fight choreography. And I think they really hit the mark on that. Because, yeah. like, the fight on the bus and the fight uh, on the side of the building was yes. just fun to watch. Yeah. There is a there is a bit on the side of the building where like a couple scenes later like he's mourning having killed that the guy who killed his his mom but I'm pretty sure he kicks like eight dudes off the side of that building it doesn't really think <laughs> about it whatsoever and I was like Marvel movies man yeah, yeah. they they get real uppity about like having killed that one dude but like ten scenes later That's Tony's just movie. blowing motherfuckers up yeah, with exactly. missiles and stuff right like, oh. <laughs> yeah right. So, did Tony knock that guy or uh, did Peter knock that guy off a building yeah. <laughs> Didn't quite catch him with his webs either. You know, accidents happen. Yeah, basically. (laughs) Yeah. No, I'm with you guys. The the kung fu sequences I thought were all pretty solid. I'm no aficionado of kung fu movies by any stretch. You guys probably both know more about it than I do, but it it felt like tone-wise kind of thing in terms of the fighting styles and everything. Felt pretty legit to me, and I appreciate that. And a lot of the things that they do in terms of bringing in Chinese and Asian cultures into this, because it was one of those situations where Marvel didn't really need to go that hard into those things, but they did. And mm-hmm. so I appreciate like they could have shied away from it. They also they did like it though because like it adds depth to the universe. Also, you know what I mean? Like there's this whole other branch of weird that you can kind of explore now with Shang Chi and those characters, which I think is awesome. So, mm-hmm. and then they also didn't shy away from using a lot of Chinese language and subtitles. That was what was surprising. Which I'm me glad a lot, they did. Actually. Which, I, on one hand, yes, I'm surprised by it. On the other hand, I'm like, these fucking movies do gangbusters in China, so like they're not going to be that. Like if it was this movie was set in the middle East or some shit like that, or, or Africa, like somewhere where these movies don't do quite as massive fucking box. Well, office, I mean, like, look then, at like, like then, Black Panther, then right? They're all really... speaking English from the beginning. Yeah. Like they never even really exactly. start in Wakanda or anything like that. It's just like immediately everybody's in English. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas this does so, a little bit more like back and forth, which I liked, like I like when they do, especially in these Kung Fu movies where they go, like they actually speak the language properly. And it sounded like from what I've been reading reviews and stuff, it's like any people who are actually like native speakers are also like, yeah, they were actually doing it properly too. Like you Mm -hmm. can understand them. They weren't, they're obviously native speakers who are saying lines and stuff like that, that they know how to say. And it was really good thematically as well, because like Simu Liu, I think in interviews has said that he really wanted to bring like the story of like a second generation immigrant into it with like the language, like, Aquafina mm-hmm. doesn't speak Chinese very well, or Mandarin Chinese very well, versus Simu Liu, I think, who is more fluent 
and or fully fluent and i think it's fully fluent actually yeah, yeah because like i believe michelle yo weirdly enough with like crouching tiger didn't do that well in china because she doesn't speak fluent mandarin she speaks a different dialect and so mm-hmm. like it's a very Can't interesting or... yeah so it's very really interesting the way that language works in this particular movie because it's it it adds a level of storytelling on top of it just by the existence of them switching between the two languages and so it's yeah. really cool and so I'm glad that they did that because it really did like when Tony Lung is switching between English and Chinese, he does it for very particular reasons and very, mm-hmm. especially at that dinner table scene when he's talking to Katie and it's like, what's your, what's your Chinese name? And it's like, Oh, there's, there's something going on yeah. here. Cause like yeah. I, I teach Korean kids who have English names and Korean names and like their their English name is like a, almost a different identity for them in a lot of ways. It's their like Hagwon, like English Academy. I deal with foreigners name because I have Jiho, who is also known as Jaden. And J- there's a, a J- an actor named Jaden in this movie as well, which like <laughs> Jaden is a cursed name. Don't worry about it. Anyway, <laughs> the, but the the thing is like, just knowing that from my experience may added a little bit more depth into who Shang Chi was and who Sean is and how those two identities really were fighting each other and work together in a lot of ways. I thought that was really cool. It's almost like having the secret identity like conflict without actually having the secret identity conflict. Yeah, it's thing. it's an everyday identity conflict yeah, where it's not, cool. neither one is secret. It's just, but that's something from what I understand that Asian Americans have to deal with a lot. That's like there's my Asian self and my American <laughs> self and yeah. how that works. Yeah, so it's interesting. Not that I'm speaking for them. Not just like <laughs> it's fine. You're well, passing all information along to other white folks who have no yeah, fucking exactly. clue at all. So right. And while we're talking about the the Chinese cultural el- or Asian cultural elements and stuff like that, the one thing that I was kind of surprised that they really went in pretty hard on in a couple places was the the sort of rampant sexism in Chinese culture. Like especially where they they're talking about like Yingli and Zhuzeling who like. Zutzeling was not able to allowed to pursue train. things. Yeah. yeah, train the same way that that Shang Chi did because she was a girl, kind of thing. Yeah, and like I, I wonder how well that is going to go over with the Chinese audiences, or if it's going to be one of those things that Marvel conveniently edits out of the Chinese release of Shang Chi. Well, let's not say Marvel. Let's say Disney edits out of the fucking Chinese no. release because it's usually that shit usually comes from a little bit higher than like Kevin Feige, so. Yeah, well, it comes from like what the CCP or whatever. Yeah, so, like, yeah. yeah. If you don't want those movies released, they they take shit out. So yeah. But the other thing that I was really impressed with uh, in terms of Chinese culture is just how hard they stuck to those like really authentic Chinese mythological creatures, like the the Hundun, what Morris is, like the the lions, like the fucking dragon, the great protector. Like those felt really authentically. Chinese like it wasn't like they tried to westernize or any of them even though Morris looks like a fucking straight up Pokemon but apparently that actually like they all they all look like fucking Pokemon (laughs) as soon as they showed up I was like am I just watching Pokemon now like what happened here (laughs) as soon as we got to Talo I was like oh we're in the Pokemon Valley we're yeah well those little fox guys show up in Legion those look like (laughs) those things look like a specific Pokemon that I don't know the name of but like I know that like I know visually from Eevee or like or yeah Yeah, sure or like from 
from years of living with Paul is basically what I'm trying to get at here. I yeah. know so many Pokemon. <laughs> cool. Okay, so we've done fight choreography, basically production design at this point, which usually is like Marvel always kind of crushed. The one little production design I want to point out, they gave Abomination his goddamn fish ears. I'm, I'm very excited to <laughs> yeah. see fish ears on Emil. Yeah, that was pretty dope. So I was really glad they brought Abomination back, like as a <laughs> in a bit fucking like just that's awesome. So just plumbing the depths. Before we move on from productions and design, the one thing that I really want to highlight there that really impressed me was uh, that carving in Talo that shows sort of the history of of the village and the fight. Yeah, the wood carving. Dweller in the darkness. Yeah, the wood carving was holy fuck, like beautiful and looked like it was done for real. Like yeah. they actually like commissioned somebody to do that like properly kind of thing. I mean, yeah. they could have, you know, done it out of fucking foam and then painted it or whatever. I was going to say like, it's probably 3D printed and like fucking painted to look cool, but like yeah. I, the fact that it looked like real wood carving was, you know, they put the effort in, it looked good. So, yeah. yeah. I was right. Really, yeah, like that the, just the composition of it was I was like, "Holy shit, can I have that on my wall?" It's terrifying, yeah. but like I want it on my yeah. wall. Yeah. yeah. Kind of like that. Remember the like the Age of Ultron statue? They opened the closing credits was over that weird statue of them fighting oh, Ultron. Yeah. That oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, I always wanted that. <laughs> I'm sure somebody's done a 3D print model of that. I think there is. Like, I think they were selling it after the fact, but like, they wanted like 600 bucks for it. I'm like, that's Transformers money. I can't spend that much money on just like <laughs> yeah, a statue. Yeah, Unicron for that. Yeah, I got like, that's another Optimus Prime, guys. You know, come on. $600. Either way. One thing I wanted to talk about for things that I really liked was theme. I want to talk about theme because I thought that like the writing was surprisingly good in terms of like character arcs. The character arcs were like spot on. And of course, Tony Leung was the best one, but like it was his acting that delivered it. But like the overall arc of his grief, like how we deal with grief and the the whole the male thing that... of like not being willing to accept it and, you know, yeah. Just... Yeah. And turning to addiction to cope with it, like the Ten Rings being his addiction and the, his crutch to carry on with it was such a good, well done analogy. Like, yeah, it was it a little, little heavy handed, sure, but like it's a Marvel movie. And yeah, it was really, I think it was well executed. And Tony Lung's portrayal added layers and sensitivity to it. I like that Shang-Chi's theme was more about trauma. And not being responsible for uh, children, not being responsible for grown up things. And like his father putting that shit on him was. Mm-hmm. That T like, word is very, very popular in phase four so far. Right? Like yeah. they've been, they've been going to that well quite a bit. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> trauma from, from WandaVision on has been yeah. very, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm even, even far from home, like was Peter dealing with like losing Tony, right? Like yeah. that was kind of the big thrust yep. of that so like since endgame they've been like very much like these guys yep. are fucked up because of this stuff like it's not Captain easy America to do Winter this soldier was all about fucking trauma yeah and feeling no way home's gonna be about fucking trauma and yeah <laughs> it's not like it's you know the marvel universe where everybody's got feet of clay and like everybody's got to suffer for every fucking good thing they do it's not you know a marvel thing at all that that happens constantly no, not at all <laughs> no it's um, like stan designed this universe to torture all his fucking characters oh wait actually he fucking did everything in the marvel universe is designed to torture the characters he created yeah. that's why it's awesome guys because why it's fucking awesome that's there why everyone go. loves peter parker so much because that's why we love all of them. yeah matt murdoch <laughs> murdoch and who, peter parker tony's like all of them tony steve rogers a man at a time Stephen Strange can't perform the fucking he doesn't have his hands. Like everybody's 
got some horrible trauma in their past. It's yeah. a Marvel thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's no gods amongst thing. us. Like, no gods amongst us. These are these are human characters they want to like portray, right? Like that's yeah. always been the edict for Marvel. So, and like they're doing a great job of it. Like I like even this. Like uh, he, he's a very human character. Like they they did a really good job of turning like a character that could very easily just become like a, a stereotype or like a, a pile of tropes into like a character that I'm like, oh, I can't wait to see him interact with Spider Man. Like I want I want to see like those that character just like expand out into the MCU now. I'm like, fucking let's get to Avengers five and like, let's have him on that goddamn team. I want to see it happen. You know, it's yeah. these things. So yeah, it's so exciting I... to see this kind of stuff, especially like especially when they nail it, this as a like premiere movie or whatever you want to call it, like a debut movie for this character. Like it's nice when they knock him out of the park and I'm not sitting there like post Captain Marvel or Dr. Strange being like, yeah, it was all right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that like, the themes in Captain Marvel were not quite as deftly handled. I, I, I still enjoyed Captain Marvel, but like upon I've rewatched it recently and it didn't yeah. hold up as strongly for me as it did when I first watched it. I think I was just, I was carrying my love of Carol Danvers into that. And I, yeah, same here, actually. Yeah. I wanted to rewatch it. And I was like, this is a little bit more like it's a little flatter than I remember it when I yeah. first saw it. So but like, and it's not just that one either. Like Doctor Strange too. Upon rewatch, I'm like, all right, you know, like fine. Even Black Panther to a certain extent, I'm like, eh, they're like they're, they do more better heavy lifting in Black Panther than either of those other two movies. But, but yeah, it still has that like, all right, we're doing it. We're doing a Marvel intro movie version 2.0. Like here we yeah. go, kind of thing. So. And I would argue that the one of the problems, but also one of the strengths, it's both, is that the villains have stronger arcs in both Shang Chi and Black Panther than the heroes do. Like yes. um, Killmonger and Wen Wu are both way more like fleshed out and compelling and like yeah i think that's final. what makes this movie and black panther more compelling than those other two movies too is like the villain and who's the villain do you even remember who the villain in fucking captain marvel is like it's only because it's Jude Law, Jude Law, but like who cares and then like the bad guy in doctor strange was a cgi head technically and mads mickelson yeah, yeah. right so like oh mads mickelson right right yeah. they use mads in, that was one. in that film yes yeah they, wa- they wasted now. they wasted okay. the perfect doctor doom on a stunt cast in Do- doctor strange which <laughs> okay cool guys you do that that's I fine i can't talk about that that's that's r- put that's him r- under r- the mask still yeah. just do it just do it yeah but yeah i think that overall like most of the character arcs in the film were quite well done yeah for especially for the two main characters the protagonist and antagonist of the films yeah pretty good yeah Yeah. and then i would say the third out of those that really stood out for me was the the sister was zuzaling she her i liked her arc as well i they gave her some shit to do and in spite of the fact that i am tired of the girl boss narrative like (laughs) i do have to say that they did hers pretty damn well and so i can't complain and the rope dagger was so... I love watching yeah. people fight with that fucking rope dagger, too. Yeah. yeah. I was like, those... What's her name? Go-Go from uh, yeah. Kill, Bill. Kill Bill. Like, the, the chain and ball kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's really cool to see. I'm always on board when they do the Electra thing for a character, you know what I mean? Like, make her the badass, like, leader of a fucking, like, cult of assassins, because she is basically more badass than all of them combined. Yeah. yeah. That's a trope. I know it's a trope. Like, it's totally a trope, but, like, it's a trope that I like. Yeah. Probably because I like Electra a lot, but whatever. Yeah, I think I needed a little bit more of her training and backstory because it was hard to yeah. like see her as an equal when we watch Shang Chi suffer so much, and she's like, "Oh, I pick up this 
rope and dagger and I trained by myself and that made me better because I had to tr- I had to be better than the boys because she actually says that in the movie guys and I was like oh did we have to <laughs> but but that being said like by the end of the film i bought it and i bought that she like truly cared for shang chi and her kind of more pragmatic machiavellian nature throughout the film was consistent and so i think that overall like jialing did was a good character and i'm looking forward to seeing more of her i think my like yeah i liked her a lot and i, I just wish they had she needed more screen time, basically. I feel like they gave Aquafina some of the screen time that maybe she should have gotten in terms of like, Mm -hmm. especially, but at the same time, I also feel like that is a character you're going to be able to carry through a bunch of stories now. You know what I mean? Like you're Mm -hmm. not, she doesn't necessarily have to just be a Shang-Chi villain, like have her take on everybody, right? The 10 rings can be the new Hydra slash hand slash aim, like just send them out there and fuck things up. And that's who your superheroes have to fight for a little while. Is this cabal of like ninja slash assassins or whatever? I'm on board. Or like have an Electra versus Xiaoling, hand versus ten rings, like grasp for power in the Marvel universe underground with all of the street level heroes like taking sides and trying to stop the bloodbath in the streets. I would watch the shit out of that. Get Moon Knight in there, get Daredevil in there. I'm just going to one more time emphasize that everybody should be reading Ship Zadarsky's Daredevil run because that may be a thing that has partially occurred in that run and it was fucking dope and you should be reading Chip Zadarsky Canadian hero Chip Zadarsky's Daredevil run. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, yeah. Um, no, I I completely agree. That's the kind of stuff that like that's the shit that like yeah, you and I as street level Marvel dudes are gonna just like fucking crave. Like give us more ninjas fighting in the streets of New York, give us reasons for Daredevil and Spider Man to be pissed off. Let's do this shit. But you know, <laughs> whether that happens or not is just fanboy wanking at this point. So awesome. So let's bitch, boys. We've we've been just blowing this movie for like an hour now. So like <laughs> do we have do you guys actually have that much to gripe about? I will start. Simulu did not get enough screen time. They did not give him like I feel like he the character had an arc, but like he didn't get to play it because it was so off-handed to his younger counterparts, which kind of defeats I don't know, like it takes some of the gravitas away from it when Tony Lung's doing all this heavy lifting. And it makes him feel more like the protagonist of the movie. Like I feel more sympathy for him as he loses his mind and shit uh, as you go along. And like yeah. The same thing ha- kind of happened to T'Challa Killmonger. and Killmonger yeah. with Killmonger. But yeah, I think it was even more strongly felt in this movie. Even the Vulture, to a certain extent, you know what I mean? Like when they do the strong Marvel character, like the, the villains right in the Marvel movies, you start being like, wait, is he right? Like, ah, shit, <laughs> <laughs> that's not good. Yeah. Magneto was right, guys. It's not good. Yeah. Well, there, it was, there was no like waffling on the morality in this one. But at the same no. time, like Tony Lung could sell me anything with those eyes, you know? like <laughs> Yeah, basically. <laughs> And so Simulu, yeah, deserved maybe a little bit more trust that he could carry more of the film. But that being, because there was a lot happening in flashback. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's my main gripe. Like so much of it is happening in flashback that you lose your new star to the flashbacks and all of a sudden it becomes like the Tony Lung shoot, which is great because he's fucking awesome. But like, this is supposed to be Simulu's like, you know, big kind debut, of yeah. big debut, and he feels kind of sidelined for parts of the movie, which is a little weird. Uh, for me, like, it felt a little bit too long. Like, it dragged a little bit towards the end of the second act for me. I think that is, in large part, 
because of all those fucking flashbacks. And if you'd cut, I don't think we necessarily needed to give Simulu a whole lot more screen time, but just removing some of those flashbacks yeah. so that the ratios a little bit better would have mm-hmm. made me feel better about it. Yeah, maybe. And uh, I mean, I just, I'm, I don't feel like every fucking Marvel movie needs to be over two hours long. And I mean, like none of these movies different. need to be over two hours long. Like even Suicide Squad was two and a half hours long. All of these comic book movies are too long now. Like, yeah, yeah. none of they these movies to... need to be two and a half hours long. They, Avengers, yeah. you, yeah, Avengers, you can be three hours because you got a fucking whack ton of you shit. To get Forty through. fucking characters that you yeah. gotta give arcs for, or, or like right? Justice League. Even like, I accept the four hour Justice League cut. I don't think it would have done well theatrically, but like, I can deal with that kind of thing for Justice League or the Avengers or like big team movie yeah we're doing finally doing spider-man daredevil and wolverine fuck up new york like yeah okay three hours go crazy you know what i mean like yeah. do that but when you're like okay we're doing an intro movie you know of a character that we're, we're gonna see a lot of probably going forward mm. i don't need a two and a half an hour introduction movie for all these but uh, they've all been like that now right and i agree they yeah, don't need to be that long it's now. yeah because yeah, yeah. Like, that started in phase three right like all those like the doctor strange captain marvel like yeah. introduction movies are all even cat. Like, I think I said that about black Panther and I was like, Holy shit, this movie is way too fucking long for just another Marvel introduction character or like movie kind of thing. And they're all like suddenly two hours plus long. And I'm like, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I, I guess that like, it also depends on the kind of movie that it is because like the yeah. films tend to be two hours yeah. and maybe plus a little bit. So it like, in terms of that particular cinematic tradition then it kind of fits because like crouching tiger is two hours long uh once upon a time in china is just over two hours see this didn't feel like it as much as i thought like yeah i had i did i I felt the same way like there's some flagging at the end of the second act basically and i was like all right we can we can move on a little bit they're like everybody's everybody's having their michelle there's because there is a chunk where like everybody's having their michelle yo time and I was like, mm-hmm. is she just going to get to interact with every character now individually for yeah. fucking 20 minutes? Like, that was where I was like, all right, let's move this thing along. Like, let's get to the fight. But, yeah, I, I mean, I had the same problem. Like, literally had the same problem with Suicide Squad, like, what, two weeks ago? Where I was like, why is this fucking movie two and a half hours long? Like, it flags right down, like, right down the second act. It's too long. So, I, I've said they're it all like times. this now. I'm, I miss the 100 minute movie. I've oh, man, really yeah. It. 100 minutes is like, that's the sweet spot, man. Like, uh, five shows a day. You know, you get yeah. people in and out. You know, you're not sitting there like plotting through like some fucking C plot just to pad out an extra twenty minutes of runtime <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah. Like Big Trouble in Little China, hundred and fucking three minutes or whatever, right? Like this in and out. Give me the fucking good shit and get out. Oh, yeah. So good. But whatever. yeah, I agree. It was a, it was a little flabby. It needed yeah. a little bit more trimming. What else? I I know that they're setting shit up with the Ten Rings and how, like, we don't know what the origin of them is, but I'm just kind of over that, because, like, that was the entirety of the first four fucking phases of Marvel, was like, here's this nebulous thing that we don't know where it came from. Oh, it's an Infinity Stone. Here's this other nebulous thing that we don't know. <laughs> oh, it's another Infinity Stone. Like, we did that fucking shit. Like, if you're gonna call the fucking movie Legend of the Ten Rings... Tell me where the fucking ten rings came from. Not that they just appeared out of fucking nothing. I mean, <laughs> I think that it kind of, yeah. You know what? I, I I agree with you. In the context of this film, I don't think it really mattered that much, except yeah. that like it matters on like the grander scale of what 
the Marvel Phase Four is. is yeah, what's that? Thing? At this point now, it's just like, what's the beacon? And it also gives him. It literally, yeah. by giving him the Ten Rings, which he does not have in the comics, like he doesn't have those extra powers. He's just kung fu powerful in the comics. Basically, gives him the Iron Fist by giving him that. Like they're they do. That's kind of my big bitch about this movie is like they've done so much, and we already talked about it a little bit, but like so much arc welding of stuff from other like martial arts focused Marvel. Yeah, they Frankenstein together this character out of a yeah. couple of different or a number of different. They basically comics. just took two of the fuck or two or three of the Netflix characters and like arc welded a bunch of people into the Shang Chi character or like yeah. story, right? Because it's like his sister becomes Electra. He's yeah, he's not quite Daredevil, but like she ends up as the head of the hand, which is like you know yeah. that kind of thing. So there's that and like the the whole secret village thing doesn't exist in Shang-Chi's background backstory in the comics. That's very much iron fist. You know what I mean? And then by him having to fight a dragon, like that's iron fist also. And then like the rings kind of give him the iron fist power. So it's like, well, I know we're not ever going to get iron fist again. Like I'm completely fine with that after that <laughs> fucking turd of a show. So like, I'm cool with that, but it's just yeah. weird. Like, Oh, we just watched that Finn Wolfhard show and, or what? No, it's not Finn Wolfhard. Finn Jones. Who was the fucking guy? Who Finn. His name is Finn something. Who gives a shit? That fucking show is terrible. Yeah, it was terrible. <laughs> but like that Iron Fist show did a lot of these tropes already. You know what I mean? Go. So this did feel kind of samey because of that. I'm like, wait, these are all just Iron Fist tropes we just watched. I mean, they're done way better. They're yeah. done the way they should have been done in Iron Fist. But like, they're still just Iron Fist tropes being transplanted over to Shang-Chi to give him more character. Which hey, man. If I, I guess get, if it works, it works. If I get the Hidden City and the Bride of Nine Spiders, then I'm good. Versus like, Shang-Chi? Like, instead versus of Shang-Chi, Danny Rand, sure. then fine. Shang- yeah. Shang-Chi and the Hidden City of Kunlun? Yes. 100%. I don't care. I'm not saying throw Danny Rand in the garbage because, like, I loved the that Iron Fist arc. But if they're just going to, if it's going to be Shang-Chi's story now, then, like, maybe it should have been, should have been to begin with because, you know, like, we didn't need a mighty whitey character. Like, well, that was the thing, right? Like, when people got up in arms about that, my first thing was like, I'm like, Iron Fist is ostensibly Kung Fu Tarzan. It's Kung Fu Tarzan, the, yeah. right? It's Kung Fu Tarzan. So, like, of course, it has to be a white character. It doesn't make any sense if it's not a white character because it's Tarzan. That's the whole point of that character. Uh, it's like a, it's a bad mighty whitey trope, right? Like, you're yeah, kind of... it's it's just an old fashioned like racist storytelling yeah. trope that can be retired now. We can just replace. Yeah. Like, a, a lot of Marvel fanboys will bitch. And this is why I don't buy this whole purity nonsense, because, like, we both love that run as an Iron Fist story, but we don't care, and we can put Shang-Chi in there in the films, and it would still be fucking awesome. So, yeah. like... Danny Rand's kind it. of a non-entity. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he's he's... To me, Danny Rand is Luke Cage's best friend. Like, I don't really give a shit about him in any other context, you know what yeah. I mean? Like he's heroes for hires secondhand, which is fine. But Luke Cage is the fucking draw for me in those characters. Yeah. Hell, he wasn't out of those pair of Netflix. He was the fucking draw for me too. Cause my <laughs> Colton was better than Ben Jones was at that role. Yeah. What I'm trying to say is Marvel. If you're listening, you don't have to do anything with Finn Jones or Mike Colton, but like, you know, Charlie Cox is probably in that Spider-Man movie from what I understand. So like, I hope he said it wasn't his arm in the trailer. He, he did. He said, he, he said, it's not his arms. I mean, every other leak is just like, it's Charlie Cox. It's not, that wasn't him in the thing, but he's in the movie. He's bullshitting. I'm like, I hope so. But you know what, whatever we'll get uh, But like, yeah, let's get uh, him and John Bernthal. And uh, what's her, what's her name back? Kristen Ritter. Joel, Joel Kristen Bernthal. Ritter. 100%. Yes. John Bernthal, yeah. right? 
Yeah. John, Joel, John, whatever. John Bernthal. My, my only other two gripes. One is we kind of talked about this. The, the dweller in the darkness is just another one of those like kind of nebulous lackluster MCU big bads and not really fleshed out at all. No, um, I mean, to, you know, the big bad dad is Mandarin, is, right? Yeah. 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 Is, is really the, 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 you know, main sort of, I won't say villain necessarily, but antagonist for sure. Antagonist, yeah. And so, you know, it was just kind of like, oh, well, let's put it like just sort of insert this like big massive threat that they can all kind of unite against or whatever. And just you get to have a dragon fight at that point, which is kind of dope. So, yeah, but even that 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 leads into my last gripe, which was that there was a couple of points in that third act where I was finding some of the action and the CGI like difficult to follow in some points. Like there was some it, I got some like. Spider-Man vibes or like Spider-Man uh, two kind of vibes like that. Remember that really disorienting goblin? Uh, oh, like talking about Spider-Man sequence? three, Spider-Man, Spider-Man three. three. Yeah. Yeah. It's the, the new goblin sequence. Yeah. 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 Like I, I was getting some of that feelings in that aerial like dragon fight kind of thing where I was like, I'm, I have no fucking idea what way is up right now or like mm-hmm. who's approaching what or what is flying into what right now. I'm just like, Eventually, it kind of shakes out and, and and clarifies, but there was a couple points. It did turn into a little bit of a like Wonder Woman Act Three CGI clusterfuck kind of thing yeah. for a, a couple minutes there. Yeah, um, <laughs> you know what I mean. And like, I like Wonder Woman, but like the, like the last act of that movie kind of like, or at least the action sequence at the end is just like Zack Snyder energy horse shit, right? And that's kind of yeah. what this was too, a little bit. I think mean, the visual style of this was a little bit better than that, but yeah, there was yeah, some yeah. spots where I was watching and I was like, this is getting a little muddled. Like, I know what's going on, but like. All right, simplify your framing, boys. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. The framing, I think, was a lot of it. The framing yeah. and like it was just like they fucking over prevised it kind of thing. They're like, this shot will look fucking amazing, and then when they actually like rendered it, it was like nobody can tell what the fuck is happening. And now that it's all fucking properly rendered, but I agree in terms of what you're saying. Like the effects, the effects overall, I was really happy with, and I liked that they had sort of a very unique style to everything. I, I like the overall uh, style of the effects and the fact that they did kind of go out of their way to make it unique from the rest know, of the Marvel stuff. Yeah, exactly. It's not the same as the Doctor Strange sort of mysticism, uh, magic effects. Magic. There is some consistency, though, too. Like they've, the, the new portals that come up as like rings and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. They were using like they use similar tropes to their effects to kind of guide you along into what's going on, I guess. Right. Mm-hmm. Like. It is more fucking blue and orange, right? Like the rings oh, I mean, are colored. Dude, blue that's when, like when, fucking yeah, been going on for three hundred million and years. Like that's when, not they're orange when Shang Chi gets control of them. Like just come on, like fucking just give give that fucking like. There are other fucking colors on the color no. wheel that are opposite each other, guys. I disagree. Yeah. <laughs> as far as I know, there are only orange and blue, and you're a liar. So <laughs> yeah. So sh- if if movie posters for the last ten years are to believe, you are correct, Paul. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, to be fair, like uh, red and green don't like aren't as fun to use that kind of as an opposite and nobody wants to use yellow and purple it's just fucking terrible so you, you end up kind of by default i disagree miss roger oh. o'hara made it work in star six never mind the uh <laughs> no but okay so I, i'm gonna block paul from talking for the rest of the episode and we're gonna get this over with because he keeps talking about rupaul's drag race and i'm trying to talk about marvel comic books and he's ruining my vibe <laughs> they're, not, they're the same thing god damn it no, um drag race is the same thing as pro wrestling i think we had this conversation oh yeah, we did have that conversation absolutely <laughs> so i think that overall the cinematography and fight sequences were better in the first two acts like 
because it turns into a CGI schmoz, right? Like they're not fighting real things anymore. They're fighting CGI monsters at that point. Like it stops being like real Kung Fu chop sake action. Not, and it becomes. Yeah. Not yeah, everything CGI. needs to be Lord of the Rings in the final act. Exactly. For, for decades. For or decades, the final fight of Endgame or whatever, right? Like, yeah. Right. But which eventually everything is Helm's Deep. Like for yeah. like mm-hmm. every fantasy film always has even the end game, game. like so much of it ends up being just Helm's Deep. Like oh, yeah, with like sure. you know what I mean? Like there's oh, so gosh. much they owe so much to those Rings movies. I mean and, and don't get me wrong, I fucking love yeah. Lord of the Rings, and I always will. The movies and the books. <laughs> Let's not talk about the Hobbit movies, but I love <laughs> I love that. It's just that every single fantasy franchise has to have that final act three big battle. And I think it could have, I could have used with some scaling back. I know that there were like, we wanted to have Michelle Yeoh have more fight sequences and I'm all for that, but I didn't need the, the Aquafina thing was kind of, kind of lame. Shoehorned. They needed, I guess they needed to end her character arc. Yeah, but did they? She's gonna be like in more movies now. It sounds like. So, like we're, it sounds like we're gonna have Aquafina in more shit now. Like, yeah. I'm like, I, I don't need, I don't need, and I, I feel this is the worst way to say this, but it's like if she's Asian Darcy, basically. You know what I mean? Like, she's <laughs> basically fulfilling the same role as Kat Dennings character did in but those horror movies. Well. Yeah, uh, that's debatable. Okay, like I don't disagree with you, but like that just makes me sound racist because I like Kat Dennings or whatever. So. Well, I just, you know, if you look at the characters and their function in the film, like Darcy fulfills like science girl function or like science person function, period. Like in WandaVision, her skills are like, yeah, vital. I mean, in Wanda, by in WandaVision, yeah, she's vital, but like in the Thor movie, she's just there. Com- for, for comic, comic relief. relief. Yeah. Yeah. Because Natalie Portman's science skills are enough. Jane Foster, love Jane Foster. When's that movie come out? <laughs> right. Aquafina, her Katie, that character, is good at driving or is fearless at driving, not necessarily good at driving, and yeah. can shoot a bow and arrow, which I think we have enough of those in the Marvel universe. We don't need another. We're getting game. another one coming okay. up too. Like Kate Bishop an- is coming. Bishop. Yeah. We love, so we like, love Kate Bishop, but yeah, man. Know, we're we love our young archer. Avengers coming in, but like yeah, we have like 19 archers. And all we did for the first two phases was make fun of the useless one we already have. Right. And so, <laughs> so with like, Wong, with Wong being like, we need both of you on board, I'm like, what? What is Katie going to do? She's is she gonna get fridge? Are we gonna fridge Aquafina? I don't I don't actually want that. Like I don't want her character to die off in some horrible way just to like make Shang Chi's arc more dramatic. We don't need Unless that. Unless it's gonna turn into like a the flash thing where like she and him are Shang Chi or whatever that thing was from like the Flash show where like they kept having Iris say that we are the Flash as a team. It's like no 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 very Actually, Barry's the Flash. Uh, you guys are just a team that help, that supports him. So, like, you're not the Flash. Sure. So also, like, <laughs> she's not Shang Chi's. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Anyway. Um, I don't know what's going on there. I mean, I guess they've kind of like decided that that's the comic relief they want to go with. Okay. I guess. Yeah, Ben Kingsley in this movie, guys. I don't know. Either way. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Is there anything else we want to get to? We were uh, we're starting to like come up on that that magic number mark. So. Yeah. No, I'm good. I've I've griped all I need to, and I have I think we've effusively blown this film. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, Tim, you got anything? You got to get shit in. Do you get everything? That's that's all my gripes. Awesome. All right. Well, let's uh, let's rate and review this. You know what I mean? Give it a little number and uh, final thoughts, and then we can move on to geek cred. So, Paul, uh, eight point five. I feel like that's going to be a very common number tonight. <laughs> 
A very good, confident, well-acted character premiere for a Marvel film. One of the better villains in Marvel movies um, that actually has like a character arc and is well-acted and is good. And more Wenwu, hopefully in flashbacks in the future. Amen. And just overall really fun fight for choreography. And I will watch this again. Maybe just the fights at some point, but like the whole movie is quite good and 8.5. Yeah. Tim? I'm going to go 8 out of 10. I probably would be willing to give it like an 8.5 or maybe even a 9 if Aquafina was not in it. And I just find her like so distracting and grating that pulls it down a little bit for me. Uh, But yeah, it does effectively bring in a new, interesting, unique kind of character to the MCU that I think freshens up the MCU a little bit. Uh, And it does so in a pretty solid and just, yeah, just overall well-executed way. Agreed. I'm going to, I'm right with Paul, 8.5. I couldn't quite go to 9. It wasn't like the best Marvel fucking premiere movie of all time or whatever. Still Iron Man to contend with, boys, (laughs) sadly. Well, not sadly, that movie's awesome. Iron but, Man uh, or Spider-Man. Or, I mean, they haven't really done, like, the Spider-Man, like, origin really yet. Like, it's always, it's kind of been, like, here he is now in the MCU. He's fully formed. We haven't we just told fun. you everything. Which works <laughs> better for me, obviously, because, yeah. like, I don't need to see that. But, yeah. But, yeah, overall, like, I had a really, like, I had a fucking blast watching the movie. Like, mm-hmm. I don't have, like, I feel like I probably have the, less to, the least to complain about out of everybody, aside from just, like, like I said, I bitched about them, are like, lifting fucking aspects of characters that I love to enhance shang chi but like they're also using shit from characters that i love that are like the parts of the characters that i do love to do this so i'm like all right if this is how i'm getting these stories then dope fucking let's do it this way like i can do a shang chi as opposed to danny rand i don't give that much of a shit just give me matt murdoch because like i want my daredevil back but other than that yeah 8.5 i would totally watch i'm gonna go see this again probably this week just because i like going to these see these marvel movies a couple times and then the big screen when i get the chance to yeah, I might go see it in 3D uh, since we watched it in 2D. Yeah, I forced I forced him to slum it in a 2D screening for my head, my like headache and eyesight. Uh, we had sake. a panic moment because there there were 3D glasses walking yeah. into the theater because some idiot had just left out the rack, even though it yeah. was definitely like a just a 2D showing. So we both grabbed the glasses just in case. Yeah, I was like, Tim, did you stealthily fucking grab me at uh, grab us a 3D one so you could watch it in 3D, you bastard? No, I don't want you puking on me. Well, it's not puke, it's just I'd have a massive headache by the end of the movie when I'd be fucking miserable, or more miserable than I normally am anyway. <laughs> anyway, let's move on to Geek Cred for this week. Start with Tim this time. Uh, so I have been just kind of bombing around Netflix lately, and I came down on one that's been on my my list for my watch list for a little while, which was uh, the the last blockbuster, the little like documentary one that they did. Oh, yeah, with Kevin Smith. Year, yeah, I watched yeah, that a while ago. Yeah, or so ago or something like yeah. that. Uh, and yeah, Kevin Smith was in it. Like the, it, it, you know, it's this fun little like just random story about the very last fucking blockbuster in existence that is in Bend, Oregon, and how it has become sort of just this local institution, and people like go there. I mean, movie fans like pilgrimage there to go to you know that a video store. Yeah. yeah, that lost you know thing of like a old school fucking big budget video store kind of thing but uh the locals also seem to have like a nice you know really heartwarming kind of connection to it and everything and there's some people that you know are regulars that have you know a real soft spot for that experience that i totally fucking identify with right just going in and fucking just being like 
the whole world of film is in front of me and I, you know, just browsing through the aisles until you found something that grabbed your attention or something, you know, somebody had told you was good or something like that and that kind of thing. And yeah. Bringing that home, not necessarily knowing a hundred percent what you're getting yourself into. And I mean, especially like going experience. to like, the like like maybe not blockbuster so much but your local mom and pop vhs store and like grabbing like some schlocky horror movies or, or yeah we had yeah. a jumbo video we went to grabbing grab a couple of nintendo games for the weekend and a bunch of schlocky horror movies paul and i would have oh watched God. like oh, like yeah. leprechaun or the warlock, warlock. Oh, warlock. yeah <laughs> that's what <laughs> oh boy yeah, oh, we did that a couple times Oh or boy! Like, or like they'd have gremlins and critters beside each other. Critters, like, oh, yeah. No, we watched those. Like, what was the movies one? like? Gremlins, and I love Gremlins. This was it House and House that. Two? The one like house, the cover had the creepy hand with the key coming out of it, or whatever, yeah. like the painting <laughs> kind of. Thing. Oh man, all that shit that we used to like yeah. rent and not tell mom and dad we were watching late at night, and then yeah. I'd yeah, be yes. Paul. Like, if you have nightmares tonight, come come to me. Don't come to mom and dad. I don't want to take shit. <laughs> For watching Nightmare on Elm Street with you, you little <laughs> asshole. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it just it has like all these uh, sort of testimonials from yeah, the, you know, old movie nerds that have become like really successful filmmakers or comedians or whatever, like Brian Posehn, like uh, like Kevin Smith, a bunch of yeah. other people as well that are in there that sort of just reminisce about what it was like to go into a movie theater or a fucking movie store and 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 rent something and find you know, find like a big fucking stack of movies that you were going to watch like three or four times each over that weekend kind of thing. And so uh, it's, it's just a really fun, I would say kind of heartwarming little situation and I'll, I'll go ahead and spoil the ending. They do end up getting to renew their license. So that, that last blockbuster, as far as I know, is still in existence. I think it's still there. Yeah. I think it's still there now too. (laughs) Uh, Paul. Uh, My geek cred is a warning. I've done this before, but it is a warning. It's a warning to the gays. Do not watch the new Cinderella on Amazon Prime. Don't let <laughs> Billy Porter and Minnie Driver snare you into watching <laughs> the new Cinderella film starring Camilla Cabello, Kilbasa Camaro, whatever the fuck her name is. <laughs> Some shade is you're throwing right so now. So fucking bad. Um, we were we try like uh, Billy Porter is so great in Pose. I love him in Pose. And Minnie Driver, I don't know why she fell off the face of the earth and she's only like in bit parts here and there in films, but I fucking love Minnie Driver. Um, Here's Brosnan looking full silver foxy as the king. Not worth it. Don't watch it. It's bad. It's a pseudo jukebox musical with some of the worst song choices I've ever Well, I'm already out, so there you go. (laughs) full-on Ed, bad Ed Sheeran cover. And, of course, they had to do a Queen song and <laughs> fucking tear... Just, oh, it was so bad. So if you think, oh, let's, like, kill two hours by watching this fucking Cinderella movie, it go watch Ever After. Go watch the recent Disney Cinderella remake. Oh, that was... Nothing, nothing oh, could save right. this movie. No, Adina Menzel is in this movie. Don't watch it. Don't watch it. It's bad. It's so bad. Like we've, I've, I also turned off. He's all that. I expected not to get through that one. Oh Jesus! I saw Rachel Lee Cook's actually in that, and she's yes. playing a different character. It's not even like a sequel. It's just like a completely separate thing. Like, yeah, it's just she's just like a a mom. It's she's the mom of the main character who makes jokes. Had, yeah, she had a story this week where like she turned down some huge franchise and it Rogue. fucked her. She turned down Rogue in the X-Men. Ah, she was going to be X-Men. That's right. She was going to be... Oh, man. I would have... I, I really don't... I much would have preferred her to Anna Pac, but I'm sorry. I like it. Well, 
I like Anna I like Paquin, but better. I don't like True Blood, so I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's kind of where I, okay. like, she died for me a little bit with True Blood. Like, I, I, I was like, wait, sexy vampires? I should be into this, but this show's fucking abysmal. Yeah. <laughs> Just terrible. So I, yeah, I noped out after one episode, or one season, I should say. One season. I made it one season as well. I'm going to recommend something that like everybody on this podcast might will probably agree with me on. The New Churches album came out this past week and is fucking awesome. It's called Screen Violence. It's on Spotify. I've been stuck on uh, track four, Violent Delights, like for the last two days, just listening to it on repeat. I'm like, this is like the best Prodigy song with Lauren Mayberry vocals <laughs> I've ever heard. So like, sign me up. Yeah. The whole album's like quite good. Even the the Robert Smith. I like, Churches is such a weird band because like they they seem like the biggest like pop act going but they fucking do collaborations with like the dude from the national and like robert smith from the cure and yeah. they go on tour with the deftones so I, I don't know how to fucking deal with this band they're just awesome and yeah the new record's quite good so yeah i mean at least i'm enjoying it so far yeah robert smith has done collaborations with other unfortunately like his best collaboration in the last 15 years was with crystal castles and we all know what happened with poor alice glass and rapist ethan kath who is yeah, the, well. uh, anyway. So yeah. Thanks for bringing this down at the end, Paul. I was trying to think of a happy New churches, churches record. I, I also do like that that how that uh how not to drown the Robert Smith collab. That's yeah, yeah, it's a good track. I yeah. know, yeah. uh, like I think the whole album's pretty solid. So I highly I've been recommending a lot of music lately, but that was this is a little different from my normal recommendation. I'm not like telling you to go listen to Gujira's Amazonia or something ridiculously heavy. It's like church is pretty accessible. Like go listen to Lauren Sing because she's great. Can't wait for that solo record when like the other dude's not there singing in the background all the time. Uh, That's like the worst. The only problem I have with this record is there's a bunch of chunks where like in the middle of a song he starts singing. I'm like, ah, dude, you're not the star. No, like it's no, just never gonna happen. Trying to make it happen. Yeah, like it's just not. I'm sorry, man. It's like she is a fucking. She's a rock star. You're just not. Play your fucking synths and yeah, man. Yeah, then like they added a drummer, like a real live drummer too. So like even ha- even more of his job's gone away. So because like the real beats being held by like a human being and not some fucking Casio. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, thank you everybody for listening. This has been episode two hundred and sixty-seven of Dance Robot Dance. Or yeah, two sixty-seven. These numbers are starting to like I know we say this a lot, but it fucks me up. We get like two two hundred sixty-seven <laughs> episodes of this nonsense. But if you haven't already, please subscribe. You can do that from any podcasting app via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify. If you have any thoughts about anything we talked about this week, if you saw Shang Chi and you want to let us know, tell us about your theater experience too. Because like this is one of like we've been back twice now, but like is this your first time back at the movie theater? Like, let us know how that's been going for you. Cause like, it's been pretty smooth for us so far. We haven't had, yeah. we've been going to that Oakville VIP. That's pretty like fucking regimented though. So I mean, we don't have COVID yet as far as we know. Uh, who Knock on wood. Yeah. I don't know. I cough constantly. So who knows? We'll see. <laughs> we'll figure it out. But yeah, if you want to chat with us about Shang-Chi or just going back to the movies or whatever, you can hit us up on Facebook, facebook.com slash dance robot dance podcast. Yeah, I mean, we might reply because I think Tim's still banned, but you know, yep. Got it's awesome 20 something days on all the current, right in the current zucker jail yeah so but we're on also on twitter uh, at drd underscore podcast tim is on twitter at drd underscore tim and i am on twitter at m underscore willette um you can also follow me on instagram for illustration work mt underscore willette on there you can also email us dance robot dance podcast at gmail.com so i'm mark paul it's always a pleasure when you show up for comic book movies to bitch about them with us yeah it was fun Glad to do it. Good to have you. And uh, Tim, say goodnight, buddy. Goodnight. We'll talk to you next week. Cool. Yeah, everybody, have a good one. We will talk to you next week. I have no fucking clue about what, but we will talk to you next week. (laughs)
Trevor Slattery and Morris forever. Oh man, Trevor Slattery, just like bring Ben Kingsley back <laughs> from fucking everything, just all the time. 